Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Calls, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? Uh, it's it's going okay. Uh, how are you this week in I'm, a non-birthday week? In a non-birthday week. I'm having an exciting week of not caring about the Emmys. It's been like a very fulfilling like life choice for me this week. Right? It's so nice not to care about the Emmys. Yeah. I saw various articles going up and, and, and predictions and here's the show that you love that nobody watches and here's the show that you should watch and you're bad people for not having caught up with and... Here's... Hey, hey, don't don't be passive aggressive about the leftovers with me, Kate. Here, here... I have enough of that from other people. <laughs> Here's like all my think pieces on bla- uh, blatant observations about TV watching everybody else made three years ago, but I'm finally going to write it down this week. Like that's been a, it's been a week for that. And it's been a week of, uh huh. OK, I'm going to go watch more Lizzie Benny Diaries. That's like been, <laughs> been my week. So. No, I think that was a good way to spend your week. Uh, I didn't read a lot of television stuff this week. So I saw the Emmy stuff, and what amused me is that while it was all happening, friend of the show, Corey Barker, who was just, like, this morning was just like, I'm so glad I don't care about the Emmys. I don't have to do anything about them for, like, pub, for TV Guide or anything. It's all set. I'm good. And then he's just sending me, like, the nominations as they kind of roll in, getting angry about them. <laughs> And I'm just like, Corey, you don't care about this. I know, but I'm really angry about this. And I'm just like, I, I, don't, I don't understand why you're angry about this right now. But, I mean, there are just some weird things. Like American Gods got nominated for opening credit sequence, to which I probably went, okay, sure, I guess. If that's a thing that you want. A lot of people but, love the American Gods opening. I think it's cool. Sure. I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it. But, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Because who cares? It's the Emmys, and they yeah, it's the Emmys. Who cares? Yeah, no, I mean, and Carrie Coon getting nominated for the wrong thing, and <laughs> uh, isn't Kate has opinions, guys? Oh yeah, and but um, isn't um, Lexis Bledel nominated, but for like Gilmore Girls? Or, uh, or was she not? Were, they, were people just saying Rory Gilmore, but not they meant Bledel for Handmaid's right. Tale? Because if it was Handmaid's it's, Tale, then I'm all down with that. No, she got nominated for uh, Handmaids in uh, oh, okay. the guest category. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I don't know what people were whining about because that was an excellent performance. But um, yeah, yeah I, when I people... think it was. I didn't really pay attention, but I'm almost I'm like positive, like eighty <laughs> percent positive is for Handmaids. Tale. Okay, that makes me more sense. But um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's just like I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing. I guess that's happening today. It's just mm-hmm. it's very freeing. It's very freeing to not yeah. like. I'm sure I'll watch the Emmys when they actually air, but like I don't need to be hyped up about them for months ahead of time. So it's I used to be that person. I have grown. It's nice to feel. Um, anyways, um, it was just a phase. The Emmys were a phase. I went through my Emmys phase where I was just dressing in gold, <laughs> holding a big circle orb thing. Great all the time. for the upper body and, workout. Right, right. It was super, super good for the for the triceps. Yeah, yeah. For the seps? For the seps, sure. Know. Whatever. Yeah. You know, let's be just all all inclusive. Biceps, triceps, all the seps. Um, see, but I, I, any energy that I would be spending on Emmys, like, you know, excitement or awareness, I'm instead spending on Comic-Con because after just, like, powering through most of the summer and 
barely enjoying it because I had my you know nose to the grindstone. I am now very, very ready for Comic-Con, Noel. I'm more excited mm-hmm. for Comic-Con than I've been in quite a while. We'll talk about this at the end of the show. My sister's coming back on as she has the past Woo! few years. And we're going to run down the TV offerings, like with the kind of TV-related things that are getting uh, shown or, you know, that are screening and panels and all that at, at Comic-Con this year. Um, but, yeah, I'm just really ready to just be in the, the vibe of mm-hmm. Comic-Con. And we're not doing any cosplay. We're just keeping it, pretty, you know, simple for us. Um, so it's just going to be fun. I'm very excited to just, like, have fun being around fellow TV nerds. It's going to be a good time. That should be a good time, and I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're able to go and block off some time for yourself. Yeah, it's always like this. Whenever I talk to my friends, are like, "I'm glad that you're gonna have fun," because what you describe sounds like hell to me. So, right, yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Anyways, we'll talk more Comic Con at the end of the show, but we should get into our weekend TV because surprisingly, there's a lot more TV this week. Uh, several premieres and some some shows that are just as bad as you would think, and some shows that are better than you would expect. So uh, we got we got to get into it. So uh, let's take a break, Noel, and come back with our weekend TV. Yes, yes. Okay, we'll be right back with our weekend comedy after this. This week in comedy and reality, we're going to talk a bit about Tour de Pharmacy, which was on HBO, the, you know, I guess short film uh, set in the world of of very, very doped up cycling. Uh, Then we'll talk about the premiere of I'm Sorry from True TV, The Pilot and Racist Daughter. Then Noel's going to fill us in on Hooten and the Lady, which premiered on The CW this week. We'll uh, check in with Wrecked, Tony Pepperoni, and The Carmichael Show, Intervention, and we'll round things out with some more great British baking show, uh, Pastry this week i know i have thoughts i'm sure you do too noel but first up is tour de pharmacy now did you see um seven days in hell which was like the tennis mockumentary kind of thing that uh, the same creative team did i want to say it was last year maybe the year before did you check that out i watched it before this aired um to prep for it and then i watched uh pop star never stop popping immediately <laughs> after that and then i watched tour de pharmacy so i had like a long strand of Andy Samberg in mockumentary-esque coverage of various things for, like, a solid five hours. Okay. Well, the, how did this one rate for you? Was Because I had a lot of fun with Seven Days in Hell. I thought it was terrific. Sure. This one, for me, didn't didn't approach that. It was it, – there were some fun things, but it wasn't um, – I don't know if they didn't create the same characters and personalities for me that they did so effectively in seven days in hell. Um, as fun as it was to, <laughs> to, I, it just, to be digs is just so 
ridiculous and like the the younger and older casting in this as well is mm-hmm. is delightful but for me it just didn't come together as well as i, I would have liked what did you what did you think of tour de pharmacy yeah i thought it was fine uh i didn't enjoy it as much as uh seven days in hell in part because seven days in hell for me is a little more specific in that i understand wimbledon and tennis mm-hmm. and so it's just like the appreciation of what was happening within that particular one really clicked in for me whereas the stuff happening in tour de pharmacy i was just kind of like i it would have been funnier like five years ago i think Mm -hmm. uh when a lot of this was a lot fresher as opposed to now where it's just like oh well we're safe to make fun of lance armstrong now is sort of where that landed for me it was just like but this would have been much sharper had we not been in a place where it wasn't okay to make fun of Lance Armstrong anymore. Well, where Lance Armstrong isn't coming on your documentary to right. make fun of himself. Like, if, if Lance Armstrong wants to do your doc, your, your fake documentary making yeah. fun of him, uh, no. Then you've, yeah. the time where that is going to be, you know, edgy or funny is, is past. Yeah. Right. So there's things that kind of make up for that. Like, John Cena is incredible. <laughs> um just really really incredible but i think we've all kind of come around to the fact that he's a really solid comedic actor mm-hmm. um so he's really good it took me forever to recognize freddie highmore which was fun <laughs> <laughs> that's um, who that was it was driving me nuts that's who that was yeah no it was it was really it was really difficult to figure out who that was mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah it was fun but there weren't like any bits that kind of like i can point to and say that was particularly funny or that was particularly good where I, I just watched like whatchamacallit uh, Seven Days in Hell and go like, well, the interviews with Michael Sheen or the progressiveness of the streaker sex. Mm-hmm. And so I can point to like little bits in that one and go, that was really funny. Whereas with this, I can't really point to a particular bit that I just went, oh, that was that was really good. That was really good. And that's not a great sign when you only have like 42 minutes. Yeah. I did really enjoy our, um, like our host, the journalist, um, <laughs> who's James Marsden. I thought he yeah. he was very good, um, but it, again, for me, he it was just very generic. Mm-hmm. Um, this type of presenter kind of thing, whereas Sheen took his thing to like a whole other place, and the writing yeah. is for it as well. Um, and this, you know, it didn't. The actors did a good job in, but, but like, it was a very, like you said, it didn't feel like it had the same specificity. And I say that as someone who knows nothing about either world. Right. <laughs> I know nothing about tennis. I know very little about cycling. Um, but it just felt like, here's a series of jokes about how they're all on all of the drugs. And then we'll make a joke about how they pee while, while they're on their bikes and it just it was very there was nothing that had any sort of specificity so it, everything just was sort of broadly blandly entertaining but not specific enough that it would be memorable and um yeah i i hadn't placed john cena either but then of course as soon as you said that i was like oh of course i've seen it and he was terrific mm-hmm. um but yeah I, this is not going to be one that i'm going to come back to whereas i was looking for seven days in hell i tried to to pull that one up to watch it again and i don't anticipate that for tour de pharmacy but you know i also think it was too long 40 minutes i think is too long for this yeah that was the thing is like there weren't enough jokes for them to tell was the problem i think Mm -hmm. it's just when you've got this massive sort of like tennis match and when you have like days off in between 
you can like find something character bit to do and here there's nothing to really drive anything forward because they're constantly on the road and you can't do too many jokes when they're constantly on the road in which no one gets hurt yeah. <laughs> as well was the other thing whereas if you're just on a tennis court yeah you're you're kind of okay except for that poor linesman who died <laughs> from the heart attack yep see see exactly yeah still funny still funny well i i would look yeah, I would hope that they will keep doing it. I assume they're going to keep doing these. Um, yeah. I don't know I why they sh- wouldn't. I think everyone has a good time, and I know John Hamm probably enjoys the paycheck. <laughs> yep, I'm sure he does. Um, so I just hope they uh, can find something a little more specific, again, to to repeat myself, to to draw inspiration from for, for the next one. But I'll, I'll still sit down for the next one. And, and having just these one-off um, short comedic films, I think, is, yeah. is a neat medium to see these these yeah. these voices playing in so i do still look forward to the next one even if i wasn't what, overwhelmed with this one what sport do you think they should do for the next one well i'd like to see them do if it, if it was around the summer olympics i would mm-hmm. like to see them do the history of the speed walking okay like, i feel like that is right in their wheelhouse but outside sure. of the timing of the Olympics, I don't think it works. So right, right. I, I'm not sure. What do you think? Well, I mean, I'm glad you bring up the Olympics because my thought was I need them to do curling and I don't care if it's around the Olympics. I just want them to do curling. <laughs> um, my other thought was ping pong. I thought would be really fun. Um, and that could coincide with summer Olympics as well. Uh, since that's table tennis, I should say. And I can just imagine like the snootiness of that particular just thing playing out and that excites me as well so ping ping pong or curling i think is what i want yeah i would like to see them do something that is not a gendered sport yeah so we can get more ladies in there yeah because it's a very dude heavy thing like when they're listing their featuring and it's all dudes and two ladies i'm like don't get me wrong i'm glad they found space for my rudolph but like Come on, guys. There's so many funny ladies that you know. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, get more people in there. In the, in the mix would be nice. So we'll see what they do next. Yeah, hope, that's that's a really good point. And hopefully they adjust for that in the third one. Yeah, we'll see. If they do one, yeah. Well, let's move on, though, to our next show. Because I was not particularly looking for, I'm sorry, but I'm glad that I watched it. It was on True, It's on True TV. They had two episodes this week. Um, this is another... One of these, and I saw people tweeting about this in TV Twitter this week. Yeah, um, I did too. Auto, autobiographical or semi-autobiographical stories about comedians, uh, writers, comedic writers and comedians living in L.A. It's like making the, And there's like eight of these shows now. <laughs> oh, there's so many of them. There's so many. But, but having the opening credits for this be Andrea Savage driving around in her car, it's like... Guys, did you not watch Better Things? Don't don't do that after they've already done that. It doesn't. You're not helping yourself um, with the, yeah. that comparison because I think they're trying to be very different things. But I ended up actually really enjoying. I'm sorry, particularly Racist Daughter. The second Racist episode. Daughter is very funny. What did you think? On a number of levels, Racist Daughter is very amusing. Uh, no, so I I really like this as well. Uh, this is why Andrea Savage had to uh, get uh, leave iZombie in the middle of the season was because this got picked up and she needed to go film it uh, and put it together and everything. And no, so I I saw some trailers for this 
uh, watching something else and got excited and I was, I was into it. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think the comedy's just sharp enough and it's distinct enough, like better things is like the immediate comparison, but it's much less driven by the family aspect in a lot of ways to me, in part because the girl's so young that they don't need to focus on her really apart from being a zany kid who asks inappropriate questions and that causes problems for the adults, which is exactly what happens in both of these episodes. And so I think there's plenty of stuff to mine from that, but then there's just, Hey, comedians hanging out, playing poker, this kind of thing. And I mean, it's all, it's all really good. And it feels as that long list of shows, it feels very familiar. And so the thing for them to do is just to find new things to do. And I think that they do that well enough here. Um, particularly, again, in Racist Daughter, between the jalapeno hands and the uh, the, the innocent blackface, I guess, is the best way to describe that. The, um, yeah, <laughs> the not understanding. The, the, the blackface child, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> But then just like the whole, the payoff to the jalapeno hands joke of that it wasn't the pea hands, but the jalapeno penis. Mm -hmm. And I I really appreciated how that came full circle. So yeah, I I, I thought it was all pretty funny. I laughed a good bit um, throughout. Um, Even if some of the, I thought some of the porn, the porn stuff was kind of weak. But it's hard to make porn funny, I think, in these days. And you have to really find something really new to say. And a joke about uh, just a lot of shit coming out is not gonna not gonna land for me. But I've been talking a lot. How did you feel about both? Of these? Well, what's gonna help with that joke is if you bring June Squibb into the conversation, we're gonna you know be more entertained. I think. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I thought that um, this is the best I've seen Tom Everett Scott. Yeah, he's really good in this. He's really good. It just makes me frustrated at all the other projects I've seen him in where I've been like, oh, why? And it's because he was not cast right. He's very good in this role, and uh, he works really well with Andrew Savage. Um, I also think this is the best I've seen Manzukis in quite a while, just Manzukis. I always enjoy him, but I think too often um, he gets cast to be a really cartoonish over-the-top mm-hmm. character, which he will gamely do. He is down to go as big as you want, and great, but I don't think that is as funny as what we yeah. get from him here. I think this is yeah. a lot more interesting. Uh, be- where he goes to the... He'll go to an outrageous place, but then immediately undercut it because you know it's a choice. Because, it's, yeah. it's, again, it's just more interesting when that's part of a personality, not the entirety of a personality. So I really like him here. It's uh, I always appreciate finding... Uh, creatives that I like, uh, actors, comedians, writers that I enjoy, seeing them in something that lets them use their full range of abilities is always exciting to me. So I really enjoyed him in this as well. And Andrew Savage is just really charming. and uh, She she's, is. She centers and grounds the, thing, the whole thing very well. Um, there's uh, it, it, it was funny to me because I was thinking about it as I was watching it that Yes, we've seen this show a bunch of times. And watching Judy Greer be the best friend again just is like... <laughs> oh, God, God, God damn, Judy Greer, come on! <laughs> like, maybe... But but I, and I was watching thinking, you know, but this does feel different than Married. It made me miss Married. But I was like, okay, this is a show that should be very similar to Married, but actually feels very distinct yeah. from it. And that's a compliment to both shows, I think. Um, so... 
I think, yeah, I mean, yes, it's similar to shows we've seen many times. But right now, it was different enough in its tone and in its voice and in the conversations it was having and the, what it's asking its, you know, what it's giving its cast to do that I was very happy to click on to the second episode, you know, and, and to, to, I was just going to watch one because I thought I might be short on time, viewing time. And I was like, no, I'll backburn or something else and make sure I get both of these in. And the second episode was funnier than the first episode. So hopefully yep. it'll keep growing. Yeah, I'm hoping it keeps growing too. And uh, I'm excited to see more from this. In fact, I think the third episode's already available for on-demand viewing. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably going to check that out after we finish recording. <laughs> and hopefully we'll see Judith Light again, because it was very yeah. fun to see her as a bitchy dance <laughs> class, like, you know, anti-air conditioning person. <laughs> oh, God, those people are the worst. Air conditioning's the best. Especially I don't care that it's killing the planet. Middle. Well, <laughs> I, I love that. I love that then it becomes like a subtextual. Maybe the doctor's call is about menopause, and maybe she was right. having a hot flash, mm -hmm. and everybody else was not wrong to say that it's crazy to turn the air conditioning. Like, so I and then it wasn't that, and it was just fun. There was a lot of fun, I think, in this one. Um, yeah. Well, was there as much fun in the other comedy premiere this week, Hooten and the Lady? Now, this is, I've, I remember seeing this title back when it was right. first announced and being like okay, this is going to be either very good and charming or terrible. Is that an accurate prediction? And which, if so, which side? It's a little bit more down the middle, I think, okay. at least in the first episode. Uh, this is a Sky One uh, show that's been imported by the CW that features uh, Michael Landis as a American treasure hunter. And then we've got our beloved Ophelia Lovabond mm -hmm. as um, Alex Lindo Parker who's a, I'm sorry, Lady Alex Lindo Parker. Um, and she's a, a British uh, researcher for a museum. And they go and go on treasure hunts and solve mysteries in the treasure hunt. So it's very much sort of in a The Librarian's vibe. If okay. that's like a really quick comparison I can make. Um, the Librarian's is fun. This is super fun. I, I, I don't want to call it super fun, at least in the first episode. Uh, a lot of it is like mismatched kind of I don't like you type of patter that is fine, but it's also done in like the Amazon. So I'm just getting constantly distracted by stuff um, like snakes and everything. Um, mm -hmm. So it's good, I think. Um, it's not like essential. It's why I told you not to like carve out time for it, because after I watched it, I just went... I can see Kate liking this, but I also immediately went, the pattern's not good enough for Kate. So I'm <laughs> well, going to, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to let her, I'm not going to tell her to watch this because she's just going to get angry that the pattern wasn't good enough. <laughs> um, when you were describing it, I was, I was like, why, if they, they are bickering and don't like each other, why would they possibly be going into the Amazon and searching treasure well, together? To that be is fair, they have to at least like each other. Come on. To, to be fair, they don't go to the Amazon together. They meet up at the Amazon looking for different things and then fall in with one another. Of course they do. They, but they wouldn't. That's the point. Like, right. Oh, God, it's so contrived. It's one thing if, like, like one of them has to be super game when, when in that dynamic and pestering yeah. the other one, but they're charming enough that they're, like... There's a way to do that dynamic, and we've seen that dynamic so many times right? that you better nail it if you're going to center right. your show around that. Yeah, and it's not there in the first episode. I mean, this is fun. They, like, find El Dorado. And of course then, they do. <laughs> right, and then kind of lose it again, I think. And mm -hmm. so there's 
I think there's more stuff for them to do going forward because they like go to Rome and then Egypt and Ethiopia. Jane Seymour pops up eventually as uh, Lovabon's mom, which I'm very excited about. Um, so I'll probably keep watching this because I, I could think of worse ways to spend my time. It's also only like eight episodes, so it's a low commitment. But I'll let you know if you should like circle back at any point. Okay, because you know, I, like you said, you know yeah. I'm down for for a cheesy, right. wacky adventure. I do. Yeah, I do. So, but I was just like, it's just going to be kind of like, I I didn't like the pattern, Noel. And then my other thinking was, well, if I tell her not to watch this, then maybe she'll just watch Will of Her Own Free Will. Oh, God. And then that's what happened. More on that later, listeners. (laughs) Ah, ah. Oh, my God. Okay, more on that later. But first, I think we need to move on to Wrecked and give a little shade to Wrecked because here's the thing. Last season, Eliza Coop showed up in the pilot for like two seconds. We're like, awesome. I don't know why you brought her in for two seconds, but cool. And then they brought her in for a full episode, and it was very funny, and Eliza Coop was terrific. They brought back that same character and recast her with Aaron Hayes. Now, we right. like Aaron Hayes. We do. Both of us. Yeah. Uh, listeners, dear listeners, Noel and I are on the Aaron Hayes train. However, she shows up, and I very much enjoy that they, like, previously on, and they reshot some scenes yes. with yeah. with Aaron Hayes, which was and delightful. Then st- and then still went, but you look really different. <laughs> yes. Um, but here's the thing. They then just had her do an Eliza Coop impersonation yeah. f- for the entire episode. And then all you're doing with that is like, Aaron Hayes is great. Aaron Hayes is not Eliza Coop. They are yeah. different. They have different energies. They have different strengths. And there were a few scenes where it felt like I was watching an Aaron Hayes performance. And I liked yeah. those scenes. Yeah. And then there were most of the scenes where it felt like I was watching Aaron Hayes try to be Eliza Coop. And I was just going, but you know what would be funnier? If Eliza Coop was being Eliza Coop. Yeah. Uh, so I just was very frustrated with this episode. And I didn't think it was very good. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really respond to it either. I enjoyed some of like the quieter engagements with the insanity. So like the whole, the, the whole clinic sequence I thought was really good. But then that was it. And I just kind of went, oh... This is this is really long episode, and the stuff that isn't about Rosa dealing with uh, the hippie guy and the other guy, who's again I cannot can never remember anyone's name, but I remember the Eliza Coop's character's name. Um, is just there's no like there's nothing to really engage the episode in after after you realize that Erin Hayes isn't able to do something of her own yeah. with this. And that was the thing. It was just like, I, I thought about all the really pleasant things that they could do if they just kept recasting Rosa with different actors each time she pops up. And they just let them do something vaguely different with Rosa each time that they showed up. And of course, keep reshooting the previously ons with that new person and just make it a runner. And I just went, that's a great idea as long as you free them up to do something different. And this is why you everyone should be paying me a lot to be a producer on a television show. Clearly. Well, and you mentioned the clinic scene, and that was the scene that it felt yeah. like we were actually watching Erin Hayes to give mm-hmm. her own take on this character. Yeah. And that was the scene that worked. Um, yeah. So I, I'm fully on board. Totally agree. Like, let's, let's cycle through everybody who's been on Children's Hospital in this role. But again, let them actually do yeah. their own thing yeah i i yeah i agreed um what do you think about this subplot 
I, I, I didn't go anywhere for me that I really responded to in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I like the joke about, like, there were a lot of people finding out that their, wife, their wives were having affairs at the same time. I thought that was kind of amusing, but it just, it, it just didn't go anywhere. And it was a long way to get to that punchline. Yeah, and it didn't seem like there was anything else shifting the dynamics. It very much felt like just filling time and getting to see that character get punched in the face, which I think we can all agree we're down yeah. for. Sure. But, yeah. there Nobody was wondering, oh, is that tension in that relationship going to be resolved? Like, no, nobody was wondering that. So. No, no one was. No one cared. <laughs> no one cared. Um, a show we both care about, though, is The Carmichael Show. And this week they had Intervention. I thought this was another really, really solid episode and a lot of fun. This is uh, features them um, getting into a family discussion as to uh, coping mechanisms and when is it okay and appropriate to use alcohol as a coping mechanism versus... Um, medication versus, uh, versus, you know, weed versus just like meditation versus just like suppressing everything until you explode in rage. Like, or stealing candy out of people's purses or stealing candy out of people's purses. Yeah. Um, so, uh, how did you feel that they did about with, with this one? I really liked it. I liked the pivot away from going like again the show does such a good job of pivoting away from what you think that they're about to do into something else entirely so it's just like we're going to do an intervention about nikisha's sudden drinking problem and then they're just like no wait we're actually going to talk about these other things that are at the root of her perceived drinking problem and i just went this is a much better way of handling this as they always do this sort of thing so I really enjoyed just their way of finding finding a different avenue to handle these sorts of stress, but also considering everyone's different kinds of stress. Like Nikisha's stuff is rooted in just long-standing family stuff that's deeply personal that she's sort of used to, but it just comes back and she needs to deal with it sometimes. But all of Maxine's stuff is hyper far away from her. And it's just like, there are seven genocides going on right now and children's soldiers with machetes. I need a Xanax. <laughs> and it's just like, you. I understand being worried and concerned about those things and wanting to do something about it. But these are not immediate concerns that it, it, the, the juxtaposition of both of these things I thought was really funny and really smart. And, and again, like I tweeted, it, I love Maxine so much. <laughs> and I'm going to be really sad when she's away because that performance is really good and that character is really good. So I really appreciated that while everyone kind of makes fun of Maxine, there's never a particular point in this episode where they discount her entirely for feeling anxious and bad about this stuff. Just maybe you shouldn't feel that bad that you need a Xanax at 3 a.m. about that stuff. Or to the point where you need Gerard needs a joint to deal with the fact that you don't have any Xanax. <laughs> so I really, I, I just, I really enjoyed this. Um, how did you, how did you feel about the really terrific, and I'm, pr I'm priming the pump, uh, PSA, the more you know that they did at the end of the episode, because with the I star. thought, with the star, but I also just felt like this was a really good thing that they ended that episode on. And I liked the message of it, of like, use these things. If they help you, just moderation and know your limits, everyone. And it's just like, 
oh my god that's so socially responsible <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought that was terrific and such a like it, it, even just the the way that they filmed it like yeah. the quality of the light and everything it felt right. so appropriate it was so yeah. it was so 90s psa it was great hey um, friends <laughs> yeah and i also just when you talk about maxine so often in episodes um they will give her the position of the right like the, yeah. the objectively correct thing morally socially responsible thing to do um so i really appreciate episodes like this that let her be more interesting and yeah. let her be like let her be wrong in certain ways um or let her be fallible you know yeah. like her not her trying to say there's a difference between using alcohol versus using xanax when the results are the same and they're used right. theoretically in the same amounts and at the same times for the same purposes. It lets Amber Stevens West just do more. And like, like when she's being like more manic in this and everything, it's, she's really good. It's delightful. And, and, and also the end of the previous episode where she's been kind of creepy, you know, that yeah. was also very fun. So like you, I appreciated what this let her do and what it let Maxine be. So, we're going to miss the show when it's gone, but I'm glad it's having such a strong third season. Me too. And uh, probably unknowingly going out at this point, who who knows how he was feeling after, as he was filming this, but yeah, it's, it's, it's wrapping up really well so far, I think. So I'm, I'm excited for the, what, what we have left. Do you want to mention your favorite line from the episode? I do want to mention my favorite line from the episode. Thank you. Uh, so, um, Loretta Devine's character gets to, um, as they're resolving, apparently, the intervention issue in, like, the first third of the episode, it's just, she says, and I love this so much, is, I'm glad we could solve our problems together as a family. It's like an episode of Blackish. <laughs> and I just went, oh, Carmichael's show throwing shade at the more successful version of itself. <laughs> Very nice. But there's yeah. place in our hearts for both of you. There are. There's totally place for both. Um, but yeah, it just it, it very much felt like, oh, we see how it is. Blackish gets all the praise for doing the stuff that we were doing a little bit earlier. <laughs> <laughs> very, very much so. Very much so. Um, let's move on to our last episode in our week in comedy reality. And that is Great British Baking Show. This week we had pastry. How is it going for you this episode? Any more positive light or still feeling kind of mixed and disappointed with the season? I'm still just kind of mixed and mixed with the season. Um, I, 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 I'm Tom's really lucky that uh, Val just kind of completely collapsed this week. Um, but yeah, I just I'm I wasn't particularly excited about anything that they made this week. Um, in part because, and this is where I make a startling omission, is that I don't really like Danishes that much. Blasphemy. Yeah, Danishes. I know. I'm not a, yeah, I'm not a big Danish person. Um, like, a cinnamon roll is the extent of, like, the breakfast pastry thing that I'm willing to eat. Otherwise, I just kind of go, I, I'd like something a little more substantial, please. Or cereal is <laughs> basically, like, my range. It's just like, give me some eggs and some toast and some grits. Or cereal but i don't need something with a lot of sugar please and thank you <laughs> what about candace's savory one uh that kind of grabbed me a little bit i i won't lie like i was i was excited about that but mm -hmm. i was also just like that's also not a breakfast pastry in the traditional sense of things so i was i, I was very much like okay this is fine but 
it was all very much fine. And I also feel like can I feel bad for Melvin Sue because Candace keeps stealing all the good lines and they're just like they have nothing left, I feel well, like. Okay, that and rewatching this, I will say I I can feel the try hard on Candace. Right. It's like it's wafting strongly. You could tell yeah. she came on the show and I'll like have a persona and I'll be yeah. the one who wears the cute lipstick and mm-hmm. has the sassy rejoinders, but like it's like you gotta like you're trying too hard. And if right. you're not gonna look at the camera and wink when you do it, <laughs> then then you need to pretend like you need to play it off a bit more and try to make it more accidental air quotes yeah but i'm gonna i'm gonna convince Mar- mary berry to hold a giant thing of black pudding <laughs> now like that worked for me more because yeah. she's interacting with somebody else but, right but she keeps throwing off these one-liners yeah like to nobody it's like yes. we know you're talking <laughs> to us just look at the camera when you say it <laughs> no 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 so and this episode in particular there's a lot of that but mm. i mean it's something i've been noticing for like the rest of the the season a little bit more so because she never gets to talk to anyone else but she always has these like quick one-liners like you're saying and they're not like exasperated type of things they're just little quips and it's just like oh this is this is sweet but who are you talking to exactly <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. Though I will say this week, I it did make me want to make the a uh, Bakewell because I've never had Bakewell tart before. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, so when you make when you make one, just refrigerate and send it to me. There we go. And, yeah, and there let me go. know how that goes. Um, <laughs> did anything in this particular stand out to you? I was a little flummoxed that some people did not know what an amuse bouche apparently was. Oh my god! <laughs> when the first thing Van said was, "It's going to be two mouthfuls," I was like, "That." Like that's it's like the one bouche. thing, yeah, that you have to do for it to be an amuse bouche. Like it's like that's like the definition of an amuse bouche. Like, come on. Yeah, um, so I, yeah. I was frustrated. I was amused by that. I was just like, guys, you put it, it. It's it's supposed to go in your mouth all at once. I know Paul likes to chop things up before he eats them, but that's, it's supposed to be very poppable, and you get all the flavors at once, and like. Yeah, that was that's yeah a little frustrating. I will say though, then it it did feel more like a showstopper challenge though, as yeah. compared to the previous week where it did need to look really it was supposed to look really nice and was very fiddly and detail oriented and all that. So I did think the range of um, challenges were more appropriate. I will say the technical didn't seem like it was hard enough, but then they they kind of botched it anyway so maybe it was right Right. no that was the thing it was just like there i feel like there wasn't even like a little like reveal of what a bakewell tart was because everyone knows what it is and i immediately just went mary i understand that you're just like wanting to like challenge them like to get everything put together and apparently that was an issue (laughs) but it, it didn't seem like a big like challenge again and this was something i was thinking about while i was re-watching this because i've started re-watching the episodes before we record because when i watch these over the weekend i immediately forget everything that happened um so i it's like i'm not feeling like a lot of the challenges are like big enough in a lot of ways or like pushing them in a lot of ways uh so is that going to change with like the botanicals episode that's next um do you remember offhand i don't remember offhand i will say that for me it was Mm -hmm. the challenges this season were not as good overall yeah 
So okay. it's not like I don't remember. I could be forgetting something, but sure. I don't remember feeling like there was like a series of dastardly ones. It was, you know, what was also interesting is that I was rewatching some of the episodes from the previous season. I was introducing my my parents and my brother to to bake off with uh, the first few episodes of season six or season three. The one with Nadia um, and Tamal and all them. Um, oh, the best and- season. He's so good. But the challenges were harder and all of the bakers did better. Right. On and all that's those the challenges. That's the thing is like these bakers, I, I, I don't really like anyone really per se in terms of like personality necessarily or flavor mm-hmm. profiles or anything like that. It's just like, I just kind of shrug at everything that they tell me they're going to do. And I just mm-hmm. went, oh, that sounds nice. doesn't really sound like you're doing anything really kooky or crazy. Yeah. Um, but it sounds nice. It sounds competent is basically mm-hmm. like my response to everything is like, this sounds competent, which isn't the reason I watch this show. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the people who have the more interesting ideas for me tend to fall short in the execution of them. Right. And so we yeah. can't fully appreciate them. It's like, yeah. Yeah. If you had executed that the way, like that should be delicious, but you're not. Right. Bringing everything together as well as you right. should. You I want will to bake say, this again. <laughs> again. Like, at a certain point, you know. Um, I will say, watching Paul apparently experience peanut butter and banana together for the first time ever was hilarious because that's such an American thing. Like, right. it's so yeah. well known over here. It's like, I've who would ever have thought? It's like, Elvis? Like, <laughs> like famously, famously Elvis? Yeah. Um, so that was that was pretty interesting and, and fun. But yeah, I, I was uh yeah, it was another kind of it was fun, but I should be like if if Candace wasn't trying as hard uh to like get her own spin off show, um, <laughs> then I would be enjoying her a lot more and sure. and if some of the other bakers were able to execute their ideas as much as as well as as you know, to the level that those ideas warrant. Yeah. And I think I could be enjoying them more too. So I just still having yeah. trouble. Yeah, it's a very kind of flat season. Everything everything feels a little underdone, and that's 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 not a, that's not a great thing. Yes, I, I see what yeah. you did there. Yeah. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna like. I was just gonna let it go. But you're yeah. just like, yeah, no, I see you. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, then, <laughs> what wins your week in comedy and reality? I have a feeling it's not baking show. So, no, it's not baking show. Um, Carmichael show this week. I think for me, um, really solid episode for all the reasons we've already discussed. And oh gosh, we only have like five episodes left. Uh, uh, what about you? What won your week this week? For me, it's between Carmichael show and Racist Daughter. From I'm sorry, <laughs> I laughed more at Racist Daughter. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess I'll give it to I'm sorry, spread the love a little bit, but okay. certainly really enjoyed Carmichael's show as well. Um, now we'll take a break and come back with our weekend genre and drama.
This week in genre and drama, Noel and I are going to talk a bit about the premiere of Will, the plays the thing. Um, did you also watch the second episode of Cowards Die Many Times, Noel? Yes. Oh, goodness yeah. gracious. Well, Noel will talk about the second episode. I only watched one uh, for two very good reasons. Because Kate's a quitter. Sure. Yes. I am a quitter of Will. Yeah. More on that in a moment. Um, no willpower the- for Kate. <laughs> How excited were you that that came together? Oh, so happy. <laughs> um, I did watch the first two of the bold type, however, Pilot and Oh Hell No. Uh, the Noel watched the premiere of Salvation, Pilot, um, which he'll talk about. And we'll round out the week in genre drama with Winona Earp's latest, Let's Pretend We're Strangers, Claws, Bats, dot, 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 and Queen Sugar, Caroling Dusk. So first up is Will. I watched the plays The Thing. And, okay, here's the thing. I asked you if this was good and I should watch it. And you're like, eh, not really. And I was like, should I watch it for the lulls? And you're like, meh, if you have time, whatever. And I did. And the reason I was asking all of this is because I heard, oh, there's a new sexy take on Shakespeare. And it's it's a period piece, but it's like very modern. And it's with sexy Shakespeare. Um, Young, you know, Again, going to going for the bodice ripping and the modern music and not trying to be that historically accurate, just historically accurate enough kind of a thing. Um, it And this show is exactly what I thought it was. So I have no one to blame but myself. But it is so bad. It's not good. It's not good. How did you watch Toon, Noel? Well, Will's deeply, deeply smug. It thinks that the aesthetics that uh, were developed with uh, Knight's Tale and Moulin Rouge are still edgy and cool. And it's not. Like, I mean, the second episode ends with them in in universe, not like non-diegetic music, in universe, them singing a rousing version of Lou Reed's, um, what was it? Uh, Perfect Day, in universe. Okay. Yeah, and it's just like, that's not a thing that works like that, but I guess it is now. So no, Will, is, Will isn't very good. Um, it's, it feels like it's very smug and cutting edge about its aesthetics and its approach to telling the story. And it's not um, because, you know, we went through the aughts. <laughs> yep. Um, so it's, but here's the thing is like, I still kind of like it anyway in that it's dumb and but it doesn't seem aware of the fact that it's dumb which i'm just wondering when that bubble is going to burst (laughs) when do they realize that they're making a really deeply dumb show but they're taking it very seriously which is a different discussion that we'll have with salvation in a few minutes um but yeah so i'm like kind of here for it in part because i'm just such a shakespeare nerd that I'm just like, oh, God, we're already going to have Robert Greene hating Shakespeare. And he's literally been in London for two minutes. But no, Robert Greene is already pissed at him because he's young and new and fresh. And you can know who Robert Greene is because he's the only one dressed in green. All green. Bright red hair. That's Robert Greene. He wrote a manifesto that was very angry at Shakespeare. He doesn't name Shakespeare in it. But he's very angry at Shakespeare. Already. So... Then, really, I feel like Will would just be better if they focused on the whole playwright stuff and we didn't have any of the Southcliffe stuff with um, the semi-historically accurate hinted at, maybe, of Shakespeare's potential potential Catholicism, which is, again, like something that's 
is debated a little bit, but it's totally unnecessary to the show. And I don't know why it's here when we could just have a decent story about patrolling the limits of theater within the confines of this narrative. And we don't have to drag the Catholicism into it. And we also don't need a street urchin um, named Presto, who's I'm just waiting for some sort of Prospero sort of thing to happen. And so there's a lot going on in the show that doesn't need to be happening. And if they just streamlined it, it would probably be a lot more fun than it is. Uh, so I'm probably going to keep watching it. Um, oh, my God. So... No. And I will talk to you about it every week. Okay. Every week. No, I will not talk to you about it every week. Um, do I have any other thoughts? Yes, I have one other thought that made me really angry. Are you ready? Are you ready? Turner Classic Movies dragged these two guys on to talk about the show and Shakespeare adaptations on Tuesday, and I was very upset at the cross-promotion of it all. Oh, Because wow. that's not what Turner Classic Movies is for. Robert Osborne would not have let that happen, but Ben Mankiewicz is a spine- spineless little whelp, and it's just like, no, no, no TNT, no. Do not let that happen. I don't need to hear these guys talking about Throne of Blood. I know about Throne of Blood. I don't need these guys telling me about Throne of Blood. Wow. Yeah, that's that's disheartening to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. The the cross the cross synergy for that just made me really angry and I almost didn't watch Throne of Blood. <laughs> Fair enough. Um you didn't mention like the quickest way to make Kate hate a show, which was when in your semi-historical drama, you have historical figures that you have fictionalized and had fun with and kept somewhat historically accurate and just, you know, felt comfortable stretching. Which, you know, fair enough. I'm down with that. But if you're a show creator or a writer and you're thinking, what character should I add for flavor? The moment you add the street urchin um, so that we can watch his sister, who's also a child, I'm just going to say get raped. Um, yeah. Then, But, of course, are we watching her story? No, it's not about her. It's about watching her male brother react to the fact that he can't save her from being raped. You're going to just, I'm not going to watch it. That's yeah. a show. Like if, did you need to include rape of children? No, but you're like, Oh, this will be a fun thing we can do to motivate our plucky male hero. Like our, our secondary supporting, you know, color character. Like, yeah. you you so much you didn't need to do that and you did it anyway because you don't care about yeah. showing children get, getting raped so why should I watch your show why should I support you when you are so happy to throw young bodies female bodies people who are not powerful who have no power just in as part of your background scenery so we can watch how they're, they're suffering motivates the characters around them and specifically again again in this case the male characters around them who now feel impotent because of that because they can't prevent it and the fun thing is that they get to claim historical accuracy with it but then they're just like but lou reed everyone and yeah it's a bunch of bullshit i don't have time for it in game of thrones I definitely don't have time for it in Will. So, Well, what do you have time for in the bold type? I have time for this cast. Now, this is a show uh, about three 20-something 
people working at a like a they're going for a Teen Vogue feel, but like yeah. it's it's Scarlet magazine, so maybe like a younger skewed Cosmo kind of a thing. Um, one is just it's like her first day as a writer rather than an assistant. Someone else is an assistant who is going to be theoretically pivoting to something else and so, and the third is in charge of social media and they are uh you know figuring themselves out and getting their your their priorities and their lives together at this magazine um Millar Hardin is the um the editor in chief who is <laughs> they're going a little bit for a Miranda Priestly thing but they immediately backpedal that she is very much like a like a Dumbledore in Fabulous Heels like very encouraging, yeah. very coddling, very much there to help them be their best selves while still being very intimidating to the young protagonists. Um, this I'm here for the cast, and uh, it's very formulaic. There's a lot of really very well trod ground here, um, but it was fun enough and different enough from the other shows that are currently on. That I had fun with it. Uh, I I do think it got overhyped and overpraised. There, this is nothing like the series overall is not. There's not much new, but am I excited that you know this is an this is a show very much about these women uh, finding their voice? Yes. Do I think it's cool they have a a, a Muslim uh, queer woman of color as one of their significant side like supporting characters? Yeah, that's great. Um, but I was hoping for a little bit more meat on the bones than what we actually got. There's a lot of fluff. There is. Yeah, no, it's a, it's sort of a, what did you think that the Carrie Diaries was going to be in season four? Yeah, that's a great description. Right. And, uh, and so, like, you were mentioning the cast. So, like, Katie Stevens is the ostensible lead as jane uh but she was from faking it so that is what i am here for but aisha d plays cat who's the social media director to which i promptly went i I don't think you're old enough to be the social media director but um (laughs) uh but she's very good i've liked her in a couple of other things i've seen um she was kennedy in sweet vicious that's what that's where she was from yeah, so she was terrific on Sweet Vicious, and then uh, Megan Faye plays Sutton, who's an assistant who wants to get into fashion, but is really hyper aware of practicalities. And that was kind of the thing I latched onto is like this is a show that is, especially through the Sutton character, really aware of sort of generational economic issues, um, insofar as they can afford to be, and without bursting bubbles of affluence that are necessary to keep things afloat. Um, but I, I still really liked it. I liked a lot of the energy that the show covered. Um, but again, like you say, like it's fairly all well-trodden ground. So Jane's like in the second episode, which I think is a little bit stronger and not as aggressively formulaic as the pilot is, is like Jane's exploring has to get drafted to write the sex column about her best orgasm ever, except she's never had one. And so there's a whole thing of and this is what i actually really liked is like there's a whole thing of these women discussing sexual fantasies of watching porn together of discussing sex toys and then my brain clicked and i just went all of this is airing right before the 700 club starts on freeform and that's amazing (laughs) that is pretty great 
And I so I, I really enjoyed it. And then just all of the stuff that's going on with Aisha D's character concerning sexual orientation and figuring out where she, where she's falling on a particular spectrum. And so there's a lot of really good stuff here, I think, for its target audience who may not have seen this kind of thing before. And it's all very loosely based. Uh, you were talking about Cosmopolitan Teen Vogue. It's all loosely based on a Cosmopolitan editor-in-chief, her climb through everything so i've i i really enjoyed it um and i'm i'm going to watch more because i'm really excited about seeing more from this show if only from like you said this cast but i think there's i think there's a lot of good stuff that they can start mining here and like i said it fills a carrie diaries-esque hole in my heart because i missed carrie diaries (laughs) now do you think that those issues of practicality are going to continue based on the way the second episode ends because i was very excited about that i loved the conversations that we were seeing in that second episode and i was very much hoping the show would subvert my expectations and actually embrace that as the reality of so many people and of you know what maybe the right thing the good thing the thing to be celebrated isn't the let's throw caution to the wind and spend our like little bit of savings and just come what may like It would be wonderful to see a show like this actually support and reward a practical choice. And I get that that's less sexy and that's less less fun to play with as a writer. But I think it's also much more honest. I would have loved if they had kept... Maybe they will come back around to that. It would be great if they did. But I have a feeling this is going to be just yet another show where at least this one portion of it is... Let's have them make the riskier, bolder, bold type choice um, of not taking the practical choice. And then they're going to be rewarded for it down the line because by the time you spent this time with the characters, you really want them to be rewarded for it. Yeah, and that's what's going to happen. I was really excited about that as well until she took that envelope out of her purse and just went, expense a bottle of champagne, please. And I just went, no, don't do this because I see what's happening here. And I don't want you to do that because... I want you to take this job that you think is soulless and boring. And actually discover that you're really good at it and you can... Right. There, there's, there's something empowering about that, not just about this thing you thought you wanted to do when you were younger that yeah. doesn't actually necessarily mean what you think it does. Yeah. And that's, that's, where, that's what I wanted to have happened as well. So I was sort of like, meh. But if, if only because... But it's built into like the title, so it's one of those things. Like when you were discussing it, it's just like it's built into the title. So I'd like to see, I'd like to see air, air quotes. quotes. <laughs> Her just have to like go back to finding a different sort of job because it doesn't pan out. And I mean, there's drama and struggle in that as well. And so I just, it, it's a it's a safe choice in within the confines of that episode for sure, and for the trajectory of the show overall well we'll see what happens with it i do like the chemistry of the cast of the various love interests i appreciate how just oh god stereotypical um stereotypical uh white male love interest the yeah uh, yeah that one guy is yeah the guy from pinstripe yeah no, oh the, no, the um the the CF the business guy. The business guy. He's so controlling yeah, and he, he doesn't is, even yeah. realize that he's being that. You yeah. know, like you're calling her in your private office 
asking her to say things that if anyone in her very public office overheard, she would be fired. You're a piece of shit. But he doesn't realize that he is, and so that makes it... And the, But I think the show does, and so that makes it a more interesting dynamic. And I, I, did, I do not care for the love interest they're building up for Jane. It's just so one note, but, you know, hopefully they do it well. They have good chemistry. Yeah, they do. And mostly I'm here from Melora so, Harden. That's fair. That's fair, too. Because <laughs> she's great. She's great. Um, okay, well, what about Salvation? I have a feeling... This one of the three is maybe on the lower end, or like better or worse than Will? Oh, way worse than Will. Um, because Will at least has. See, here's the thing: Will has a perspective. It's not a bold new perspective that it thinks it is. Salvation has no perspective to the story that it wants to tell. What What is that? Uh, what's the What's this about? Yeah. So Salvation is. There's a giant asteroid heading towards Earth. It's going to collide and wipe out everyone in 186 days. Now, an MIT grad student finds this asteroid that apparently has been missed and goes immediately to his professor. His professor disappears the next day. His his house is in, has been ram has been like searched and tossed upside down and all this. So naturally, his next choice is to go to the Elon Musk-esque guy who just gave a TED Talk at MIT to ask for his help in alerting people about what is happening. So the Elon um, Musk guy... I'm going to interrupt you. If, I, if I'm watching the show, I want to have Joshua Sassy and be terrible and be canceled after half a season. <laughs> this is no tomorrow, only not fun. Right. It's, it's so not fun. Because then the Elon Musk guy just waves his magic badge around, gets into the Pentagon with the MIT guy and goes, so guys, there's an asteroid coming towards Earth. And the Department of Defense is like, guys, we know we're not idiots, except for the fact that we have no way of stopping it. Um, we think we might have a way with our gravity tractor thing, which is a real thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to maybe try to fix it. But if not, we have nukes. And so the show is about... A, the struggle to stop this asteroid from hitting things, and the Elon Musk guy is just like, uh, no, f*** that shit. Uh, we're gonna save 160 people, which is the minimum number of that we need to repopulate as a human species. So we're gonna pick 160 people that I think are really cool, and we're gonna go to Mars. F*** y'all, is basically his perspective. And the MIT guy, aware of all of this, kind of just goes... I just kind of want to spend time with this hot chick I met who writes science fiction. And I just met her a day ago, but she's so hot and she sleeps with me. And I really like her. And I just want to spend time with her is how the sh pilot goes. I just recapped it for you so we can go on to Winona Earp. <laughs> yeah, I'm very glad that I did not watch this. Um, but I'm very glad that you I'm did because so listening to you describe it was like, that was delightful. We're talking like under the dome levels of stupid, but it sounds like the show doesn't, Except does the, for show the show know it's stupid? It, no, it doesn't. Is the problem is that it's playing this all very, very straight. It's so straight and square, which is why like the comparison that you made to Will is really appropriate because it's just like. Will, at least, like I said, has a style and aesthetic and a perspective. Salvation's just like, guys, um, we're going to be a really straight summer series about the end of the world. And it's just kind of like, oh, okay. 
um, your your thing, while not outrageous because we've gotten really lucky in that an asteroid hasn't struck Earth since the dinosaurs, um, like extremely statistically kind of really lucky. So we're we're due for one at some point. Um, but it's just like, uh, but this is a dumb premise for a television show and also kind of not sustainable, but okay. But yeah, it's, it's just deeply dumb and it doesn't know it's dumb and it's not fun. And when you've got something like zoo happening, that's now like kind of like coming to the forefront as a really terrible summer show that everybody loves, why would you not replicate that? And do something really dumb and boring like this, as opposed to silly and bore, silly and fun and weird, like what Zoo apparently is. So something weird going on in CBS's summer summer program development. But for the love of God, can we please talk about Wine and Art now? Because this is the most I've wanted to ever talk about Salvation. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, but, and we do both want to talk about Winona Earp. Uh, this week we have Let's Pretend We're Strangers. And uh, I think all of a sudden we watched this episode and yeah. the choices they've made this season just clicked into place. It was like, yeah. oh, that's why they definitely shifted gears with Waverly and the goo. Because they yeah. found out that Melanie Scrifano is pregnant and they wanted to reveal that and the like, let's use the goo thing to reveal that. But then we have to stretch it out for four episodes. Before. Like, so that's that. Like, as soon as I saw the end of the episode, they reveal that Winona is pregnant. I read and think like interviews talking about how the actress is pregnant, was pregnant when they were filming. And, and so they're going to incorporate the storyline. For that reason, I was like, oh, okay, that explains was like, why did they do this change gears on this thing that we were so excited about at the end of season one into the beginning of season two. And now I'm like, with where this has gone and the way that they have managed and handled it, I'm, you know, like, I'm okay with how they did all like Gooverly and Gunona. Um, I think that they actually managed to execute that all really well. And I had a lot of fun with Let's Pretend for Strangers. I think they're, again, I think they're killing it. I, I was definitely stronger on episode four than you were, I think, uh, Noel. How did you yeah. feel about this one? And 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 does, did you have a similar kind of shift in your perspective on at least the, like, the reasoning for how they handle everything, like, that, that I had, where you were more okay with it? Or did that not affect, like, like it shouldn't, let's be honest. If we're being better yeah. critics, it shouldn't. But did right. you have a similar shift like I did, or, or did you not? Uh, like split mind of like exactly what you expressed. I just went, this is why they did everything. I appreciate that decision. And in hindsight, your execution is to get to this point is good, but it also is just like, I still kind of just go, but, uh, but, 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 but type of thing mm -hmm. yeah. in responding to it. It was just, I was still very much like, yeah, but you maybe you just could have done this in episode four instead of episode five <laughs> and just had three episodes of this instead of four and, you know, saved, saved, saved the hockey team for episode six. And then we could have had a pregnant Winona beating up a high schooler, which and would have been even just, better, which would have been even better. <laughs> um, but I'm, I still really like episode five a great deal. I liked the the sly acknowledgement of where the hell have these hunky firefighters been all this time? <laughs> um, yeah. Like, guys, where have you been? Considering we were sh shooting a bunch of people last season. Where were you, mother? 
Wars. And so I appreciated that. Uh, but I like the, their introduction as well. And um, I think Winona and um, whomever the hunky main firefighter guy is mm-hmm. uh, have a fair, de- fair decent amount of chemistry. And so I'm eager to see how all of that plays out as they go forward. Um, and I like that they're firefighters because now they don't really have an excuse not to be super attractive in TV land, <laughs> um, which is entirely that reason. Um, but it also allows like Juan Carlos to sort of refilter in a little bit through something else, which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, no, this was just a really fun episode. I'm glad Doc immediately like pretty much just went, well, that's too much sugar. You don't have your gun. Yeah. We have a problem. <laughs> So yeah. I really appreciated that. But no, so this was this was a really good episode. And I mean, like, I texted you after I watched the reveal of just, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I'm still feeling. But I'm really excited to see the show going forward. And I think it's just... I, I'm just really excited about having them incorporating the pregnancy. Because, I mean, given why Nona's overall costuming, they could have just hidden it in that massive coat as long as they wanted. And gotten away with it. But they're just like, no, we're going to incorporate it. And that's just, it's really exciting to see that get to play out in this sort of a very badass sort of character. But also have to have this badass sort of character go, how do how am I badass with a child? And in me? And what, what are my responsibilities? And just all this sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what they're going forward. It doesn't necessarily make up for like my kind of wishy-washy response to the previous four episodes. But... I'm super geared up for the rest of the season now. Well, and based on how we've seen them handle their, like the writing for the women on this show. Yeah. So far when they say our touch point for the rest of the season is Marge from Fargo. You're like, yes. I'm... Oh, is that, was that, was their touch point? Was that is fantastic. I didn't right? read any interviews. Cause oh, I wanted yeah. to like discuss this with you. Very pure. Yeah. So, oh, that's so good. That's right? so like, good. Like, well, let's, oh. let's let's do like a Marge Gunderson thing, but with Winona, like that, like the idea of the strength and power of that, and yeah, um, as even just as an image, but also you know all these other things that it means, and and taking that inspiration for for where Winona theoretically could be going this season, and combining it with the way that they have written that character so far and the way that they've written everyone on the show so far, I think is like, I can't wait to see like pregnant out to there, like super pregnant Winona who can't drink and can't drink coffee. I mean, it's going to be great. Or there's no reason that it shouldn't be. And there's no reason to not expect these writers and these directors to do a really good job with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. God, I didn't know about the, Oh man, that's so good. I'm so excited yeah. about that. And I swear to God, if there's not a Fargo reference and a wood chipper in a future episode. <laughs> oh. No, I'm really excited about that. Oh, this is going to be really good. I'm more psyched now than I was before. Excellent. <laughs> Yay. Um, but I second what you were saying about Doc. Like it was the same thing with, with Officer Hot, with Nicole. Like yeah. I loved how quickly she was like, something's wrong. Um, and, and again, it shows the 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 respect the writers have for these characters to know yeah. each other it is very honest with with what they had built up as their relationships in the first season the beginning of the second season so it's great to see that play immediately he's like 
you know, this is wrong. This is like, you're going in the trunk. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that works. And again, to see the strength of that bond with Waverly and Winona too, to have her take the monster back in, you know, like that it was just, it's a lovely thing to see. And again, it felt very true to these characters. So yeah. I, and, and we, I'm, touching on the more emotional aspects of it and then the the projected future of the show but it's also still they've maintained the tone and the the quips and the pace and the energy of the season as well it's been very fun it's a really easy watch like that 45 minutes if you don't want if you like watch it without the commercials or hour with the commercials it goes by so quick it's it's one of the most watchable shows on right now for me right and also like let's remember that this is an episode where uh, may she rest in peace because I actually really liked that character. But mm-hmm. Lucado's head exploded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, we got to see Lucado's head explode. And it's just like, that was lovely. It was gruesome and terrible and just bloody. And I like everyone's response to the office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just kind of keep walking. Um, but I'm also sad that Lucado's gone. But it also means like Black Badge can just fade away literally, it just ups and disappears. Um, in this episode as well, which I'm also kind of okay with, because um, that makes room for the firefighters and also, again, that family of replaced weeping women and that guy who we all hate. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's going to be very satisfying watching him yeah. crumble over the course of yeah. the season. Yeah. Yes. Well, another show that's been super watchable, and again, I thought this week was, was Claws and Bats. And for me, this episode And it's all- bat shit, but everything oh. kept... That's why. Cause it that was makes sense. way more sense. But it yeah, makes it, so much more sense. Right. No, I was trying to figure that out, and then I just looked it up, and it's just went, oh, it's supposed to be bat shit, but my my thing just did bats with a bunch of periods, and yeah. I just went, oh, that doesn't make any sense. There were no bats in this episode and of any kind. Bat shit. Oh, that makes a lot more sense, considering the ending. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, we will talk about that. For yeah. me, this episode came down to two performances. I guess three. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Carol Perrineau and Nisi Nash, which I thought, yeah. who I thought were terrific, but specifically just this episode, Carrie Preston. Oh gosh! Oh, I loved it so much. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> Your cupcake—they're still warm. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. So yeah, let's let's take them each in turn then, because okay. Perrineau and Nash are just like kind of killing it when they just have these scenes to play. And, uh, but like Nash's, that whole reveal about the sexual abuse is like, Paranow is just in it, like really deep. And then just Nash's response to that is so perfectly honest and just angry. And I just, I loved it. I really, really did. It was just a complete and total, like I bought it entirely. Like I was very in it with them. And considering like how very kind of quickly these two, um, these foster parents kind of snuck up on us um, in terms of like a quick cameo as a magazine cover <laughs> last week. And then they're very quickly and horribly, wonderfully defined as just complete dredges of the earth um, that... I kind of was okay with them getting shot oh, in the back very okay five, five yeah. or six yeah. times. Uh, as bad as that was for Bryce, I was okay mm-hmm. with it as like a cathartic moment of like, no, these these are horrible people, and I'm kind of okay with this. Some people um, are just no, bad. Yeah. 
yeah yeah so i know i they're they're so good and they have so much chemistry together and that's one of those things where i feel like uh especially with a character who's clearly on the spectrum and Paranel's performance is like not shying away from that in any way shape or form uh, is that it can i feel like it would be difficult maybe for an actor to respond to that kind of a performance in which you're not necessarily given eye contact because you can't be given eye contact in a lot of instances or just the response that you're getting from your fellow actor is going to be very different than what you're used to. And Nash is just like stepping up each and every week when she has these scenes with him. And it's just, it's really good. It's really, really good. Yeah. Well, and it's so easy for a performance, like a character like Parano's character to feel like a series of ticks. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't, he feels like a, at least to me, he feels like a very rounded fully developed character and this is part of how he expresses himself this is part of how his brain processes information and he is able to communicate with the world and i I, like the the i really love the performance but i also really love the care with which the character is written the Mm -hmm. specifics of what he says and when and of course we don't know between the script and the direction and the performance like exactly where that line is but the 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 whole thought process for that character feels very organic and feels very lived in it, you feel you can feel this sense that they have been there for each other for forever that this has always been their dynamic um again that's the same thing with you were saying with Nisi, with Nisi Nash's performance that the way that she responds the way the energy that the, those two have with each other like it doesn't feel like this is again some way that they can get plaudits for their show or like look at our quirky character it feels like a like like an honest and very um respectful performance and listeners if you have some reason to feel otherwise reach out and let us know based on my experience with people with you know a small group of people on the spectrum this feels right this feels like yeah. a a good and honest and respectful and very authentic performance. And they're just, like you said, they're killing it every week. Yeah. And for my experience as well, it feels pretty authentic as well. Um, So it is, which is part of the reason why I've been responding to it is that I can think of a number of people that I've met who are roughly on roughly where um i want his name where is his name dean is um so yeah no it's really good um but you mentioned quirk uh so that seems as good a reason as any to segue into polly oh my god (laughs) oh it's so good so but here's the thing is like this is a twofer because we get her whole threatening with the knife and the cupcakes and that alone is amazing and um the um uh uh tron who plays uh, virginia is just really good in that scene and how very afraid she is <laughs> but then we also get carrie preston trancing prancing through a house in a cat suit and like taming a dog yeah. and taming a dog but she's like literally like prancing around as if uh-huh. she were in like a heist film and it's just <laughs> preston's having the time of her life i think with this role and i love it <laughs> Yeah, but the other thing is, is like it feels distinct from like Elsbeth in a lot of like the stuff, which is really key because it's just like 
I can I can see this kind of Polly veering into Elspeth a little bit, but then after this episode, no, I do not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't mention at the top of the show, maybe we should have, the passing of Nelson Ellis, um, who, mm. of course, was a castmate of Gary Preston's on True Blood. Um, and was just a terrific, a terrific actor. We, we had problems with his arc on Elementary, but that was Which not was on not the actor. not his fault, right, yeah. That was all in the writing. Um, but just, like, the character that he will most be known for is Lafayette on True Blood. And think reading some of the articles written about him uh, in the past week or, two, a week or two, by the time you guys are hearing this, um, and uh, thinking about True Blood made me, again, reflect on how insane that cast was... And how that was the show that introduced me to Carrie Preston. And mm-hmm. she was so terrific on that show. Of course, also Rutina Wesley, who's killing it on Queen Sugar and killed it on Hannibal, too. Um, but thinking about watching these different performances from Carrie Preston over time, she was so memorable and so delightful on True Blood and then so very different as Elsbeth and just as wonderful and delightful on Good Wife. And, and like you especially with what we got a little bit last week, but also this week, the physicality of it, like you were saying. And like, if Elsbeth threatened you, she would do it so differently. But when Polly says she will peel her, she will peel Virginia, you believe it. And the fact that Carrie Preston can sell that is impressive. There are not that many people that small who I would believe that from. Right, right, exactly. But Carrie Preston is apparently one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, she's so scary and threatening, and it's really impressive. And the thing about it is, is like, I feel like this is legitimately the first time that we're seeing Polly as well. Like, she's putting on, like, sort of a tough, tough act here. But, but she means it. She means it is the thing. It's just like, this is very different from even like, I mean, she's been lying to Desna a little bit and lying to everyone, really. And so, but here it's just like, this is legitimately Polly in a lot of ways. It's like, I have no problems, like you said, believing that this con artist would slice her and just skin her alive and just be like, and do it with a smile on her face and not get any blood anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk about the ending. Yeah, so let's um, talk about that. Um, is no. the correct response, and no is also the correct response. That's He's um, not allowed to be alive. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a... I don't understand how he is alive, and I also don't really care. And I don't really want to see uh, Misery by Way of Miami. <laughs> and yeah... I, I, I went, wait, what? And then I also went, but no, no. And it's kind of how I feel about it because it feels, it feels like a, so like last week I sort of complained about how the show doesn't allow them to have victories. And this episode has so many victories in it. Like there's that entire dance number of them realizing they're going to get that salon. And it's so good. It's so good. I was so happy that entire sequence of them dancing in the salon. And then it's just like, by the way, everyone rollers alive. And it just went, no, I mean, it, at least he's ch- chained up far away, maybe hopefully, but ugh. The, the show needs to move past that. Like we yeah. don't care. 
We don't care about ruler. I don't care about Uncle Daddy other than he's a, a, a thing to propel the, the story along. But, like, especially the Marble Mouth performance we get in this episode, which I feel like was, like, a next level element to the, the, the accent that Dean Norris is doing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. This like I felt like it was he took it to another level this episode, yeah. um, but I don't care about that. And we've you've been teasing the Russians this whole time. Like right. there are plenty of other places you can get drama from. Do not have Roller be alive. Like somebody, somebody just move on. Follow the salon. Follow the different threats to the salon. But like they're way too in love with Uncle Daddy. Yeah, and they're like they're too in love with this entire little subsection of the show. I think is. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to propel the narrative, and like if we had reduced Dean Norris basically to a recurring guest, and had someone else like kind of like an intermediary sort of thing, kind of dealing, I think it would have been a lot better. But your point about the Russians is really well taken because that's where all this drama should be coming from, not us knowing that Roller's alive because. It's a way for it's a thread for them to pull on when they need the end of the season thing to all all of this to come out, and I just go, but I don't really care, and you shouldn't either. Show because you have a lot of really good elements already percolating. I don't need this to be the thing that undoes everything. I need the Russians knowing that they killed Roller somehow or another being the thing that does this does them in. That's a little more interesting because then the Russians have leverage over them and that's a better tension to explore than, oh, he's alive. Oh, okay. How is he alive? How could he possibly be alive after the being shot and being half drowned and then being burned up? I mean, come on. Where did this this woman find him? (laughs) Like, and the boat was on fire when they set it away from the dock. So it's not like... They did a delayed thing. Like, it was... Right? Am I remembering that wrong? I'm not remembering the state in which... If they even found a body. So, yeah, but I like, can't remember. Oh, God. I swear that they... What I remember is that the boat was... They sent the boat off. Yeah. Uh, but it was, like, lit up so it would, like, burn. And so the idea that he survived all that is just, like... It's just stupid. And it... I don't, you don't want me to be thinking show yeah. for this show. You don't want me thinking, you want me feeling. And as soon as you, we see Roller alive, I'm thinking, how could he possibly be alive based on what we saw? Yeah. And that's when things start falling apart. Yeah. And like, I'm reading like the Wikipedia summary and like the boat strands somewhere on like a coast, which explains how this woman finds him. Um, but I also feel like that that was a really open space that they pushed that boat into. and it would have taken a while for him to bleed out and be burned alive so yeah anyways um they're they're fortunate that they've done such a terrific job with the aforementioned niecy nash and harold perrineau and uh and carrie preston and last week gina torres that i want to stick around because this is the kind of twist that if i wasn't as invested in these characters i would just be like no walk away yeah no same i think that this this would have been like a oh this shows this shows kind of keeping me along but and then this would have been the point where i went bye yep (sighs) definitely 
Okay, let's move on to our last show of the week, and that is Queen Sugar, Caroling Dusk. And I thought this was another really lovely, solid episode. I think, like, it, it doesn't stand out to me, but yeah. I'm so enjoying my time with these characters that I don't really mind. Yeah, and I, I think that's the correct... I, I agree with you in that this was something that uh, doesn't stand out beyond the confirmation of Micah's time in holding of basically being like, that was really scary. Yeah, and you were um, right. Was, yeah. yeah. And props to know. <laughs> uh, also, but also like um, one of our listeners um, going, basically Micah found out he was black. Um, yeah. Was, was what happened in prison. Uh, he found out he was black and that was kind of scary for him. <laughs> Is, is also like exactly what happened. So I appreciated like confirmation of that, but also just the confirmation of the, his sheltered world is crackling in a way that it g- extends beyond Charlie and Davis being horrible um, to one another and creating his situation. So um, what else did you, how did you feel about the um, stuff with uh, Daria and the doll? In um, this episode. Darla. Yeah, yeah. I thought that it Darla, was yeah. and can we just talk for a moment about the fact that the actress playing Darla played Kendra on Buffy, right? Any yes. Bueller? Yes. Bueller. Anyways. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that, that worked well and I thought it was a it was a good it was a good way for them to go which like her screwing up as a parent but not with drugs in a different yep. way. And because I know that that's something there was a terrific article I read, I want to say in paste this week, talking about the show's representation of of addicts and mm-hmm. um, and specifically black women on TV who are the characters are drug addicted or addict, you know, recovering addict mothers and the portrayals of that that subset of characters on TV and how this character addresses and interacts with and then subverts some of those expectations um and and i was like you put this out like the week after they're they're throwing up all the red flags about how she was gonna maybe uh like relapse i was like that's a confident choice um but then they didn't go that way at least in this episode and 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 having her insecurity driven by all that and her like when she's talking about how long of a day how how much she had to struggle to stay sober that day culminate in this i thought was a really terrific way to show her strain and to show her faltering without resorting to the thing that every other show so many other shows let's be a little kinder so many other shows would have done which was be like have her like look at a bottle of pills or look at a bunch of drugs and then is she gonna take it you know like i think that was a a a smart way to deal with that tension deal with those issues without going maybe where we immediately expected it. What did you think? No, I'm in complete agreement. And I don't really feel the need to add anything on to what you've said because it's, it's the correct choice that they made and it's a deeply motivated choice. And my hope is that it sort of wakes up Ralph Angel a bit in terms of the value of the program that she's in, which is something he's always been really not interested in and doubtful of to the, but I mean, this isn't something he's done, but it's also like it hints at the larger things that he hasn't come to grips with yet either himself internally. 
and there's a way for them to go on this journey together and provided he's willing to do it. And so I'm eager to see that play out for Darla and to see how she copes with that. But I'm also eager to see Darla working with Charlie <laughs> and just if any, if anything is going to drive you back into the arms of addiction, it's probably working <laughs> for Charlie Bordelorn West. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but it also like speaks to like the softening and realization of Charlie's web of family and community that she has to be a part of now that she can't be away from. And so, but it also keeps like Darla in the fold a lot more, which I'm also really excited about because that's a character who I feel like has a lot of potential that the show's just now beginning to tap into. So, yeah. Yeah. And I was so, I was so not with uh, Ra when he was like the expression he gave at the end is like, Hey, she has a job. You support her. You're being a terrible partner right now. He's so pissed about this. And I'm just like, oh, so judgy. Yeah, no, it's like a super judgmental face. And I mean, I get it. He's still like in a weird place with Charlie, even after the events of last week. And I appreciate that he's still in a weird place with Charlie, even after the events of last week, because that's a lot more believable than a very quick fix, especially on a show like this, where those scars just take a while. And also that ever that will just hanging over everything. But uh, yeah, he's so judgy about it. And I'm just like, no, dude, she need a, she needs this, but B no, you don't get to be judgy about this man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I like the stuff we got with Vi. That was mm-hmm. nice. Um, and uh, this is, like spoon worthy. The stuff with Nova was super cute. Isn't it like, so- Oh, it's so adorable. Right. Yeah, and I love how terrible she is at, like, normal relationship stuff. Yeah, like, I don't trust it. You flew in? I don't trust it. <laughs> but you're doing really nice things, and I'm a really, I'm a legitimately nice human being, and it's just like, I don't trust this. This is weird. You're weird, man. But also, you're you're, you're, you're smart, and you're hot, and, but you're weird, man. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> that, I thought that was, that was pretty cute, and we'll see, you know, I'm just glad they're not just defaulting back to a string of like one-off kind of romantic partners for her and then mm-hmm. the white cop, you know? Right, who's completely disappeared from the narrative. Yeah, so maybe I'm I mean I would not be surprised if he popped up at a particularly opportune or inopportune moment, but right. like which is I, what I, he I like does. <laughs> yeah, I like that they're going other directions for Nova and mm-hmm. um I also like that they're not just going to like a one for one like dude lady dude lady you know like they yeah. were doing a little bit of that last season just a little bit so um yeah. hopefully you know like her her sexuality expressing itself um in her relationship with these different people i'm sure that given the way they've handled it so far i i'm i feel confident that they will continue to handle that in the same thoughtful manner so uh, I, I i like their the chemistry that they have together and i think it's a different kind of thing for her than what we've seen so far um it's nice to see her having to work a little bit with it, you know, and wanting right. to, you know, do like the courtship stuff. Yeah. So it's nice. It is nice. And I'm also just, I'm here for Nova's navigation of a change in ownership in her paper mm-hmm. and how that's going to affect her. But also like we get to see like the ramifications of that last week, I think. I think it was last yeah. week. 
on just uh, how she's going to steer all that. So I'm like really excited for all of these storylines right now. Um, and I don't get to say that about a lot of shows in which I get to say every storyline that I get to see on this show is something I'm actually interested in and I don't want to check out. And yeah. that's so rare. So right? rare. They're like way the best ensemble. They're way up there for this year so far. They're just, yeah. they're just killing it. And talking about like the pacing of Winona Earp. The same thing is true of Queen Sugar, and it's yeah. such a heavier show, but I turn around and the episode's over. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's this super week compelling. Like, just went so fast for me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listeners, if you're not watching Queen Sugar, you should be. Um, anyways, that wraps up our weekend genre drama. What wins your weekend genre drama, Noel? Well, Salvation was so good, Kate, and I really appreciate the continuization of having capitalist Elon Musk-esque characters be there to solve all our problems. Yeah. And just I trust, really appreciate that trend. Super rich. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that never goes poorly. Yeah, give um, them the no, police department so, like we did earlier this year, this television Right. Year. Give, the, give them a really nice hospital that they can mm-hmm. bypass the FDA. Super yeah. good, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, they're great. They're great. Uh, yeah, they're not great. Um, so I don't know what to pick for this. And like, all honestly, like this is, this is a tough one. Cause I really enjoyed let's pretend we're strangers, but Caroline desk was also really good. Um, okay, you pick one and I'll give it to the other. Um, I'm, I'm going to let, I'm going to pick Caroline desk because okay. you, you did the reading on let's pretend we're strangers <laughs> and part of the reason I'm more ex- even more excited about the rest of Winona Earp is the fact that Fargo is a touchstone. And I didn't know that until now. So that's you. So I'm going to pick Caroling Desk. Okay. So Queen Sugar for Noel, Winona Earp for me. You yeah. guys should be watching them both because they're killing it. Or at least I'm more positive on Winona Earp than you are. They're doing a really good job. I think we both agree on that yes. at least. Yeah. No. And I'm I'm much more excited for this second Chunk. The second chunk that we're about to get of Winona Earp than I was for the first chunk. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Now we'll take a break and come back with our Comic Con 2017 preview. We'll be right back after this. back with the televerse this is kate calls with as ever by noel kirkpatrick and listeners it's that wonderful time of year again it's time for comic-con i'm very excited uh noel as a non-attendee i think you're very excited to not attend as i understand it and i'm also excited because coming back to the podcast once again is my wonderful sister maggie maggie welcome back to the podcast are you excited 
for Comic-Con. I'm really excited for it. You know, I hope that we see some of the kind of special events that we had last year. Um, it's going to be kind of hard to beat. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to go and to experience the whole uh, culture. Well, and... Let's remind our listeners, why is it going to be hard? <laughs> Let's just go into Comic-Con. They're not going to top last year. It's not going to happen. Because last year, we went to the world premiere of Star Trek Beyond with the live score performed by the San Diego Symphony and the San Diego Choir. Uh, with a you know, And again, it was a world premiere, so it was like a whole thing. And also, they had the Steven Universe sing-along. Like, music panel. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, yeah. They're not going to do better than that, Noel. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Probably not. Looking at the schedule, I kind of went, eh, even if I was there, I think I would just be enjoying San Diego. Mm. There's that, too. You can always join, enjoy San Diego. I like how Maggie yeah. took that the nice way, and I took that the burn way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Okay, so what we're going to do, listeners, is we're going to just kind of, I say briefly, it will be a long segment. But we'll yeah. try to <laughs> limit we'll ourselves briefly. to speak briefly about speak the dif- briefly, uh, different yes. things that are going down in San Diego for Comic-Con this year. Uh, at least at, in the convention center, there'll be all sorts of craziness going on around um, in the city at different um, – like there's different takeovers of bars. There's different events like that. Like I know there's going to be a 20th anniversary Buffy event hmm? at a bar on Saturday for several hours. <laughs> we'll have to discuss this. We'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, t- we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, but that will be uh, more surrounding the con rather than an active part of the con. So we're going to limit it for right now to just the stuff happening within the convention center in San Diego. Noel, you're joining us. Thank you for joining us for this rundown. You can tell us what looks good to you if you could teleport in and out. Um, but let's kick it off. And that that would be how that would have to go. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, so let's kick it off with Wednesday. Now, they, again, they're using the library, which they used last year. And we discovered that the library was too far from the convention center to actually, like, switch back and forth. To be feasible. Yeah, so it really was, like, a good idea. But we're probably not going back to the library this year. Do you think? I don't know. We won't have any costumes on. So that'll, which will, that'll help. That will help. So. They have on Wednesday a thing, an event at the library about teaching with comics. Mm-hmm. We went to it last year and left because it wasn't that It was underwhelming, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it, the so last year they had a lot of the education panels and things over at the library, which, you know, it was a library, you know, so that's, you know. Makes sense. Makes sense. And also they just clustered it there. Um, and I guess it's cool because you could... Did you need a badge to get into the library? Yeah, you're supposed to have one. I mean, I think you would have an easier time getting in, but, yeah, but they did have someone checking badges. So, like, the thought was good, but the only thing is, is if you had, I mean, especially if you had any kind of costume on, like, transporting yourself from the con to the library was, you're pretty much not going to do it. So, it yeah. kind of made you miss all of the educational panel stuff, unless you were going to sit in there and just go to that. Yeah. So... We'll see. But we'll see. one of the things you could do on Wednesday is go to the sneak peek screenings. Of course, Wednesday's preview night. Um, this year, they're going to be showing, um, this is Ballroom 20. Listeners, you do not, there will be a line. Don't wait in the line. The line is a waste of your time. There's always lots of open seats. Just go in at six. Um, but they'll be screening Black Lightning. They'll be screening Deception. They always show some Teen Titans Go. Um, it's going to be pilots for the fall. Now, uh, any of an interest of, of Noel with with that with you know the pilot experience at at, at Comic Con? 
No, like I, I can just wait patiently, but then I can also just watch it on the screener website in a lot of these instances. <laughs> Hashtag screener so. privilege. Pretty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I've learned to, I used to go to the, that uh, eagerly because then it made, when I was trying to watch all the premieres on premiere week, it made that week a lot easier. Um, sure. Now that I no longer make myself watch all the pilots, I don't have that problem. <laughs> So I'll be checking no, out the floor. Now, now you just make me watch all the pilots. And stuff. I do not make. That is your own choice. choice. Sir. Okay. Well, let's dive in. I see in. how it is, Maggie. You're already turning on me. That was quick. It was short-lived. I like this guy. Ah, oh, it's your choice. Yeah, let's see how it is. Well, um, let's move on to the con proper, though, which starts on Thursday. So who wants to go first and list off the first several TV-related panels happening on Thursday? I'll go first since I'm the one not drinking pina coladas. Yeah. We, we would um, be hooking you up, Noel, if you that could. That is also a choice, sir. Teleport the pina coladas to, to you. I don't like pina coladas anyway, so you're okay. There we go. More for us. Cheers. Yeah. See? <laughs> yeah. So 10 a.m. in the Indigo Room. Indigo okay. Ballroom, yes. Ballroom. All right. So you got the musical anatomy of superhero. So, um,. Composers coming in, including uh, the f- guy who's going to be working on Cloak and Dagger, a uh, fellow who worked on Logan, uh, some guy who worked on Mummy, Gotham, plenty of folks coming in to discuss music as a supporting character in uh, films and genre. And that sounds vaguely interesting. There'll also be posters and signed CDs. Ooh. <laughs> Shiny. We like swag. So that's at 10 a.m. Also at 10 a.m. and... Room 6A is the Teen Titans Go panel, which I imagine will have a fresh new episode for folks to watch, and then Q&A with uh, producers, writers, and the cast. So that should be fun. Mm-hmm. I imagine that cast is a delightful group of people. So I imagine that's uh, enjoyable. Uh, also 10 a.m. and 7AB, the future is female. Oh, I wonder where that came from. Uh, women in animation. Uh, so you've got Margot Dean. Uh, the I don't I didn't look up what WIA was. Um, so co-president and general manager of a Stupid Buddy Studios. Um, Molly Mason Boulay, uh, the VP of Content Group over Electronic Arts, and then Maggie Malone, who's the VP of Creative Affairs over at uh, Disney Animation, and Jinko Goth. Gotho. 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 We're going to butcher so many names, listeners. We're going to (laughs) try. Who was the executive producer of the Lego movie um, and uh, over in Warner Animation Group. So they're going to be discussing unconscious bias, goal of obtaining a 50-50 split in uh, creation, production, and rewards of animation by 2025. And that sounds like a really interesting panel. That is where I would have probably teleported myself into. Mm-hmm. Um, if only there weren't the other 10 a.m. panel in 25 ABC, which is the Code Switch, Diversity Behind the Scenes, which has uh, Jeremy Diggs from Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Gigi Edgeley from uh, Farscape leading a panel about uh, genre diversity and in, fr- in franchises, which also sounds really, really interesting. So maybe I can just split myself in half and go to both of these. You'll know how that of- works cross planning of these things where it's like especially listeners there's we were saying a lot of 10 a.m things on thursday there's a lot of tv on thursday because there's yeah, like no there film on friday yeah. and, and on thursday because it's all on friday and saturday 
Um, yeah, a lot of times it ends up being like, I would go to these four panels. They're all at six o'clock on Thursday, which is traditionally been when I want most to split myself. Um, and then there's nothing I care about on the next day. Uh, yeah, those both sound like fun panels. We won't be going to them, though, because we'll be going to, planning on going to a panel, which we'll get to a little later on Thursday, which will require us to already be in the Ballroom 20 line. And that takes us to the next um, 10 a.m. panel. The animation show shows in Ballroom 20. This is something they do every year. This is the 18th year they're doing it. And they're just showing a bunch of different uh, animated shorts from all over the world. Um, they're going to have Mirror from uh, Ira Glass. Uh, they've got um, an oh, Oscar-nominated short Pearl and some stuff from Pixar. Uh, Google Shorts. Uh, yeah, so there's all sorts of different you know animation from that one. Uh, at, six, at 10.30 in BCF, 6 BCF, we've got Voltron, Legendary Defender, which I ever, you, you, you watch this one, right, Noel? I do, yeah. Do these do these names mean anything to you? The the cat Tyler the Bean, I recognize. I've enjoyed him in other things. Bex Taylor Kloss, I want to say, I really yeah. enjoyed on Grimm. Right, both of them are the voice actors. Lauren Montgomery is a longstanding uh, animation producer and director. She's worked a lot over in DC, and then Joaquin Dos Santos, of course, people recognize from Justice League Unlimited, but also Avatar: The Last Airbender. And Legend of Korra, he directed, I think, all of season one of Legend of Korra, or mm-hmm. a good chunk of it. And so that's a really, it's a really good group of people, and you see those influences in Voltron. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're going to be handing out posters. I love how they actually have to say when they're going to have swag, because so few panels have sl- swag now. <laughs> uh, last year, we went to a little bit of the Anything Goes panel with John Barrowman. We just like kind of wandered into it after being disenchanted with a different panel, and it was delightful. Mm-hmm. It was super fun. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. And now this year, it's cross-programmed with something else we want to go to, yeah. so we probably wah, won't get wah, to it. But thurs- usually it's a Sunday panel. Instead, this year it's on Thursday in, in the Indigo Ballroom at 11 a.m., Anything Goes with John Barrowman. If you don't have something else to do Definitely on Thursday... It's so fun. And if you don't know who John Barrowman is, he was on Doctor Who and Torchwood and he's been on Arrow and Legends and and he's just he's just a very game showman and he wants to sing songs. Last year he was wearing a um Zap Brannigan cosplay, rocking mm-hmm. boots, better like stiletto it, boots. Stiletto boots in a way that we know neither of us ever will. Oh no, I was just And he had a, a rainbow tutu at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was very zap. No, I was just looking at I was just you're just looking at his legs and you're like, Oh my god, your legs look so much better than mine ever will. It's yeah. Ridiculous. In the boots, not he in the just, boots. Yeah, yeah, either way. But I mean, especially with those I mean, yeah. You just have to embrace it. Super fun. Super duper fun. At twelve PM um in the Indigo room, uh, we've got the behind the scenes of Freeform's hit series Stitchers, which I found out was still on um this week so if you've been enjoying stitcher uh you can go to indigo room at 12 p.m uh, i did i like i said i thought that had been canceled and i found out this week it wasn't apparently um, not yeah <laughs> so 12 30 and 6a you've got the justice league action video presentation and q and a they've got new episodes oh this is probably that short thing that i only sort of liked yeah so yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's that's on. So if you've been enjoying those, then that's a thing to watch and check out. Uh, One PM in Indigo, you've got the behind the scenes of the Shadow Hunters. So back to back, ABC. Sorry, ABC. Uh, freeform shows in Indigo. So if you've been enjoying Stitcher and Shadow Hunters, with both air on the same night now on Freeform, uh, right now you can check those out. Um, at one fifteen in B twenty is Ballroom Twenty. 
uh, Sci-Fi is hosting the Great Debate. Uh, so you've got a series of discussions uh, led by John Hodgman and also featuring Adam Savage, Orlando Jones, Aisha Tyler, or John Barrowman, who will probably be exhausted after doing uh, <laughs> The man is with John pure Bar- energy. Yeah, he will I be don't fine. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One would think for a mere human, yes. Right, for a mere human, but he's the face of Bo. Yes. Exactly. Um, Charlie Jane Anders as well. So they'll discuss various things that relate to geek culture, I'm I'm assuming. I'm just like assuming um, this is going to be Judge John Hodgman. At right, Comic-Con. but pop culture. Yeah. Right, yeah. So we'll hopefully see that. <laughs> is that the one that you're going to, or are you going no, to No, no, we'll get there. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm assuming, yeah. I'm assuming that you're camping for the thing at 2.30. Uh, yeah. No. No, okay. So um, at 2 p.m. in Ballroom 20, uh, you got the Colony Season 3 discussion with Carlton Cuse and Brian Kodal and then some of the members of the cast, including, of course, Josh Holloway, Sarah Wayne uh, Callies, Peter Jacobson. Oh, he hasn't died yet. That's really impressive. <laughs> Uh, I figured he would have died already. Yeah. Uh, So if you've been enjoying USA's Colony show, uh, Ballroom 20, 2 p.m. for that. And then at Grand Rooms 1 and 2 at 2 p.m., you've got the Doctor Who cosplay, traditional alternative takes on cosplaying for Doctor Who. Are you guys going to go to this? No. No? Okay. I like how we're playing guess what, guess which thing (laughs) you want to go to. I don't know. Um. Oh, of course. It's it's not the next one, but it's the one right after this. So in five oh, A, <laughs> in five A B, IFC Stan against Evil John C. McGinley and Janet Varney will be on hand to discuss IFC's uh, horror comedy that I watched two episodes of and didn't get back to. But I liked. <laughs> but I liked, right? Yeah, they seemed good. I liked mm-hmm. Janet Varney a lot, so why wouldn't I? But I just yeah. never got around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a 2 p.m. in 5 AB, but this I'm assuming is what Kate and Maggie are gearing up for in Hall H at 2 p.m. It's the Teen Wolf panel. Oh, oh I hope no? it was that sarcasm. That was, he was, oh, okay. look at his face. He was kidding. But I will say, I will say having been in the Teen Wolf panel before, but it was, yeah, it's super fun. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. All of the woo girls and woo girls tend to make for a good panel as long as the panelists are feeding on that energy. Yeah. Right. Sure. So cast and crew will be there to discuss the show as it, and it's just say goodbye since it's wrapping up. Um, it is? Yeah. It's done after this uh, run of episodes. So yeah. So this will be their last time probably at uh, Comic-Con. Well, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 2.15 in 6 BCF, if I'm reading that, is uh, the 10th anniversary of DC's original movies. Uh, so this was starting back. God, have they been doing this? Yeah, they have been doing this for 10 years. So starting yeah. with like Make Superman sure. Doomsday <laughs> and then like the Batman Knights stuff. Uh, so folks are going to be on hand, including uh, Bruce, Bruce, Tim, uh, James Tucker, who's been spearheading a lot of that recently. Um, Alan Burnett, um, James Krieg, and then some of the voice cast, including Kevin Conroy, naturally Tara Strong. And John DiMaggio will all be on hand to discuss uh, how DC animation has continued in the form of direct-to-video movies. And I would like to stop talking a little bit. Yeah, Maggie, <laughs> this is the one. You did say 2.30, and you were right. I just assumed it wasn't at 2.30 because there's also a 2 o'clock thing in 20. So either oh, I okay. transcribed something wrong. Um, it's very strange for there to be a half-hour panel, so I must have written something up wrong. But okay. at, at 2.30, or maybe at 3, maybe I got that wrong, maybe it's 3.00. 
In Baldwin 20, we have, Maggie? We have the Battlestar Galactica reunion. Um, so, yeah, so that's going to be really exciting to see. They're going to have uh, Ron Moore, David E. Ike. Ike. David Ike. David Ike. Uh, Trisha Heffler. Mary Mc... <laughs> Trisha Helfer. Oh, Mary oh, McDonald. Grace yeah, Park. Why is that going? Guys, can't make this text bigger. Yeah, I'm not right. sure you're a fan of the show. <laughs> Michael Truco, Aaron I'm not Douglas. Like the person who knows like that, like I know the characters. But... Yeah, so anyway. that's 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 six. That's President Roslin. That oh, cool. that that's oh, yeah. uh, Athena. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> President Roslin. Anyway. Okay. okay. Yeah, and and the chief and in Starbucks uh, husband Anders, right? Yeah, right? Is that yeah. right? And then yeah. it's going to be moderated by Mo Ryan. Um, if they don't have almost listed. I would be very surprised if he wasn't there. He's been to Comic-Con a lot. He's been. He was there last year. So, yeah. but he's not listed. Who knows? But Mo is going to be a great host for that. Um, yeah. And it should be super duper fun. So we're. I think we're excited for that. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm very excited. You know, I'm going to have to actually go back and watch some of the, the beginning of the show again, which I've been meaning to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, no, that's going to be, it's going to be really cool to see all those actors. It was such a wonderful series. Um, next so up, Maggie, at, at 3, 3 p.m. in the Indigo Ballroom, there's Van Helsing for season two. At 3.30 and uh, 6 BCF is Timeless, a fan celebration. <laughs> that one should Thanks be for, good. Thanks for getting us uncanceled. Basically, right? <laughs> it's like, we're canceled. No, we're not. Woohoo. Yeah, basically, thanks. Yeah. Know? With uh, Abigail Spencer, Matt Lanter, Malcolm Barnett, Goran. Malcolm Barrett, yeah. Goran Visnick. Oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Goran Visnick, uh, Sean Ryan, Eric Kripke. And yeah, and moderated by Brian Truitt. Oh, now, did you today. did you watch that uh, yes. time travel show? Or did you, did you just give it, there was one of like the four time travel shows last year. Was it during the school year? Yeah, because so the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is no. Ah, I like seriously like there's yeah there's no yeah. time. You just watch like ten minutes of something and then you pass out on the couch. Uh, um, next up, and that's not done yet, is the strain. Right, yep. three forty. <laughs> that should be like an award. That's not done yet. <laughs> it's so their nice. final season. Okay. For the strain, um, they're gonna have Carlton Cuse there, Chuck Hogan, uh, Corey Stahl, David Bradley, Kevin Durant. I mostly, I hope just David. This is all questions for David Bradley about playing the first Doctor in the next Doctor yeah. Who special. Um, but th- they're gonna have a bunch of the cast there for that, and I'm sure. Uh, now that's a demotion. They've usually been in Hall H on Sunday, mm-hmm. so I can't. Just, it's like it's a more populous day. But it's a less it's it's a smaller hall. Promotion, demotion. Listeners let us know. Um four PM in the Indigo Ballroom we have Z Nation, which is kind of the zombie show that little show that could. Um yeah. that's another one that I enjoyed. It's just like it's nice to have a zombie show where the bad guys are the zombies <laughs> and not the people. Um ah. though Though I can't speak to whether that is still the fa- the, the case. It just was when I last watched. Uh, 415 in Room 6A, we have Mask of the Phantasm. If they're doing the, their push for the Blu-ray for that. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll have the creatives and the cast there. Um, now, this is one that I know, Noel, you would probably be excited about. 445 and 6 BCF, we have Ghosted. Where they're going to show the pilot, and they're going to have some of the cast there. Not um, Amber Stevens uh, West, who we were just talking about earlier in the show, but they'll have some of the other creatives, um, including uh, Craig Robinson and Adam Scott. Uh, Is this one you'd want to zoom in for? And are there any other ones that we've mentioned that you'd be like, that'd be fun? No, I'd be at the Basque of the Phantasm panel yelling about not having Batman the Animated Series (laughs) (laughs) Blu-rays. That is what I would be there for. I'd be like, Bruce, 
why do we not have this yet? I don't really need a Mask of the Phantasm Blu-ray. I need four seasons of Batman the Animated Series on Blu-ray. Please and thank you now. <laughs> good man, good man. There is no question. Yeah. <laughs> um, at five in Indigo, we have, Indigo Ballroom, we have uh, the classic Doctor Who panel um, talking about uh, potential lost episodes that they're previewing and doing some uh, Q&A. Um, they're going to have, oh, they're going to have Colin Baker, Peter Davison, and Sophie Aldred, of course, who are the fifth Doctor, sixth Doctor, oh, Davison is the fifth. Um, Colin Baker is the sixth, and then Sophie Aldred is ace, who is the last companion of the classic series um, there, and it's going to be moderated by Kyle Anderson, who is wonderful um, from Nerdist, friend of the show, um, and they're going to look at some of the stuff from Wheel of Space, which is a really fun second Doctor story um, that they've that they've uh, reconstructed, and so they, they, that's where they lost the original footage, so they've either animated it or pieced together what they have, so that, for somebody like me who likes classic who, that could be fun. Um, Noel, why don't you kick things off in Ballroom 20 at 5, what do we have next uh me protesting the lead legion screening and q a uh <laughs> featuring noah halley dan stevens rachel keller basically the entire cast is mm-hmm. there on hand as well as a couple of other producers so they'll be i'm assuming rehashing uh season one a little bit uh because i can't imagine that they have anything from season two ready to go yet but uh so yeah that'll be fun for folks who liked legion um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also at 5 p.m. at 25 ABC is Star Trek The Next 50 Years. Uh, the authors of the critically acclaimed bestseller two-volume series from St. Martin's Press, The 50-Year Mission, uh, which is Mark A. Adams and Edward Gross, will be on hand to discuss uh, their books with Scott Mance. Um, discuss Star Trek books, I'm assuming? Yeah, yes? so basically yeah. they have a Star Trek book that they're going to be pushing. It's always okay. fun. Read the description. Which ones seem like they're actually legit going to be fun, and which ones are just going to be people pushing Selling their things. book? Yeah. Uh, this one, I feel like, really could easily be people just pushing their book. No, but there, So when is when is that new Star Trek series? With there will be a Star Trek Joss Discovery Whedon panel. Coming out. Oh, it's not it's, with Joss Whedon. Oh. No. Brian Fuller. Oh, no, Brian, Brian Fuller, Fuller but he left it. He's not doing it anymore. Really? Oh. Yep. Yep. Does that like? We'll we'll talk about it when we get there. Let's move on. Next is the geek year in review. Right, um, you got the LGBTQ geek review um, with a number of folks from. Let's see, who do we have? We have P. Kristen Enos uh, from Prism Comics, uh, Diane Anderson Minshall. Uh, the editorial director for The Advocate Plus Magazine, uh, Nick Adams, who's the director of programming over at GLAD's uh, Transgender Media, uh, Mike Sirico, Sirico, um, uh, yeah, looks right, Ellie Weekly, uh, Amber Graza, who's the director of international licensing and sequential rights over at Geeks Out, uh, Chelsea Steiner over at After Ellen and Alistrial, and Amelia Vaughn at The Huffington Post. So they'll discuss changes uh, and representations in queer geekdom. And you were ready to talk, Kate, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, sure thing. That That's going to be... Uh, that, that was a fun panel last year yeah, again. Yeah, it was. It was really interesting. Yeah, they had a I lot of... Uh, there was some again. stuff that we were expecting... Uh, we were, and, and Maggie had her, her Steven Universe cosplay on at that point. I did, yes. So we got a shout out. They're like, let's talk about Steven Universe. Yeah. It's like, um, so, but, I, but they imagine they'll have um, some other things that, uh, certainly they had things that we hadn't heard of yet last year and that, were, that was neat to, to, you know, hear of and, and have a t- attention drawn to. So I'm sure it'll be another good one this year. Um, at six, also we have in 6PCF, the Exorcist panel. That's right. It didn't get canceled. It is still on the air. It got renewed. Um, and that'll have the cast and creatives for that one as well. In the Horton Grand Ballroom one and two, we have through the great celebrate through the gate celebrating the Stargate franchise. So that's a, a fan panel. 
Oh, God, that makes me feel really old. I remember watching it when it premiered on Showtime. Oh, okay. We've never continue. done a Stargate DVD shelf one of these times. Uh, of these continue. Times. I'm just going to feel old. That's okay. That's okay. Um, at 615 in Ballroom 20, we've got Marvels and Humans. Um, sure. I'm excited. But I'm not excited about that one. Um, they'll, they'll have some... They're going to premiere a version of the first two episodes. Um and beforehand so they're gonna they're gonna before the premiere so they're gonna talk a bit about the IMAX premiere that they're doing um and and uh, of course this is the new ABC series that that really unfortunate photo like art that they've put out yeah anyways then at seven we don't want to go to it no but maybe somebody say, else does like, I know which one Kate's heading to next yeah the Castlevania panel at 7 p.m in room 5ab that like there's been such kinder things said about Castlevania on Twitter than I expected. What is yeah. up with that? I don't know. Nostalgia? It's gotten really positive reception. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's <laughs> yeah. not good. More and more interested in TBS Gets Animated. That's at 7 p.m. in room 7AB. And it basically, uh, given the trajectory TBS has been on, something we've been complimenting them for, for the past year, that is what I would be more excited to go to. In that time slot, um, though I know there are lots of fans of Twelve Monkeys who will be over in Six BCF at seven fifteen, going to that panel, which has the creatives and the whole slew of the cast there for that. I know that's a really beloved cult show. Um, at seven thirty, it gets geekier. Why queer representation matters. Um, so that's another one that we're mentioning because uh, they'll be talking about different TV representation, likely in that panel as well. At 8 p.m. Um, in 7AB, we have Cartoon Network's Summertime Go screening and costume contest. Now, last year and the year before, and I think the year before that. Is this what is supposed to be the Adventure Time Ball? Yeah. It's, it, instead of the Adventure Time Ball, they're doing the Summertime Go screening, which means they have a new show that they're going to be they're trying. Gonna be, the word pimping came to mind. <laughs> yes. But I wanted to know if you were going to plan to go to this now, Maggie, because we weren't going to when it seemed like they weren't doing anything Adventure Timey, but they're going to have the voice cast for Steven Universe there as the Ooh, judges. So they Ian Jones Cordy, mm. who uh, worked on um, on um, Steven Universe for quite a while, was one of the co-creators, um, and and then before he left to, to make some of his own stuff, as well as uh, Greg Jones, who's on Ben 10, and he's Beast Boy. He does the voice of Beast Boy and Teen Titans. And then Zach Callison, Dee Dee Magnall-Hall, and Michaela Dietz, who voiced Steven, Pearl, and Amethyst, are going to be there. And then the Eric Bauza, who does voices on a bunch of the different Cartoon Network shows, is going to be moderating. So, like, does their inclusion prompt you to go? Or will you be with me over at the Battleship Pretension, Warner Archive, and Criterion Cast meetup that I go to at this time every year? I don't know. Um, or will you be like me and just taking a nap? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll be there taking a nap. I don't know. Uh... Oh, let's see. Honestly, like I know everyone thinks their costumes are the best, but I feel like I've kind of gotten overlooked <laughs> a little bit for not being recognized for your wonderful cosplay the last couple of years. A little <laughs> bit. Does that sound like a little? Yeah, like... it does sound a little bit. But okay. that's because the, but that's because the listeners but didn't didn't see your frozen yogurt princess costume. <laughs> I know what the hell. I you know I don't even think he knew what it was no we were very That's... unimpressed with the voice of uh, finn from Ugh. adventure time unimpressed in his... still of the character yeah but in his but, but... year judging it was a whole thing mm-hmm. he was Jordan definitely Shada, not a good judge he was no. definitely trying to hook up with one of the marcelines oh, yeah. is all oh, i'm yeah. saying oh, it was, okay it was and she got obvious. his pick so mm-hmm. 
Anyways, let's move on. Let's move on. Thanks. Clearly, it's a point of bitterness. <laughs> um, 8 p.m. on Thursday, it, we have the psych- in 25 ABC, the Psychology of Cult TV Shows, episode four. This is one they do every year and that I always want to go to and never manage to for various reasons, including said Battleship Potential Warner Archive and Criterion Cast Meetup over at the Bootlegger. Um, but this one, I mention it because they've got Jose Molina there, who, of course, is right on Firefly and Agent Carter and several other things. Um, people also know him from the Children of Tendu podcast. A bunch of other interesting guests on that, and that seems like th- th- where they sit and talk about the 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 psychology behind different genre shows, and like what does that say about the characters and the the culture and all of that. And so it's a combination of yes, Maggie's pushing up my nerd glasses on my nose here. Um, this is Maggie's not going to go. Maggie doesn't want to go, but that's the kind of thing that it would be fun for me to listen to medical and, and psychological professionals professionals talking with pop culture figures. I think that's fun, but that's me. Also at 8 p.m., Sweet Christmas, a mock trial to prove Luke Cage is innocent. I mean, this is the kind of thing, like, if you're going to Comic-Con, you're a nerd, and you want to be in room 23 ABC and watch people put on a mock trial to prove or disprove the innocence of Luke Cage after he was arrested at the end of season one. Like, that sounds fun. That does sound fun. That sounds more fun than the psychology of cult shows to me. Well, it depends. I mean, like, those things like the psychology of of cult shows can be actually really really interesting um it just depends on who your guests are you know it really depends on the moderator the the, the guest yeah, the yeah and the same thing i would say for the the show for i mean it's, it's really this for anything is it de- just depends on who's talking but um the psychology i think the psycho psychological aspects can be really really fascinating but it depends on if they're really getting into the issues or just kind of giving you a blase overview that things that you could like kind of piece together yourself yeah the last time i went to that psych psychology of panel uh, of the care of the characters panel um they had writer a writer from agents of shield and he was talking about all this deep psychological stuff from the show with the different characters dealing with and i was like i have watched every episode of the show sir and what you're saying <laughs> makes sense but you didn't put any of it on the screen <laughs> so you don't get credit for that because you can't backpedal you like, like it's like oh, all these deep conflicts are there between the characters and like yeah well you know that's true now that you mentioned that and you dive into it if only you had put that on the show um so that i actually got a little frustrated at that panel <laughs> just one, one finger goes in there excuse me excuse me uh, pardon me garçon <laughs> Are okay, you calling fi- him boy? <laughs> I don't know who it is. It's in so my I head. We so could cover it's okay. both avenues. Well, yeah, what you think versus what you say is an important distinction. Um, it's a podcast, so we don't have that filter. At eight fifteen in in room sixty uh, e, we have Dark Matter season three. Their panel again. They'll be they'll have the cast and the creatives there for that one. Um, and then at ten p.m., they're going to be in the Horton Grand Theater. There's going to be a surprise screening from Netflix, and it's one of their original movies. So movie, TV, we don't really know. But yeah. I figured I would mention it. Yeah. I mean, if they're smart, they're just like, hey, guys, here's the Stranger Things season two premiere. Oh, Enjoy. Yes. Did you see that poster? <laughs> I oh, did. Holy goodness. But that when that's coming out in like October, October 27th. October. Yeah. That's what I was. That's what I was. Oh, my God. So that is possible. That is the thing that could happen. It would be perfect for Comic-Con. Um, let's move on to Friday. And I'm going to yeah. throw it to Maggie. Um, okay, so then 10 a.m. at Hall H, they have the the Big Bang Theory special video presentation. Um, um, I will mention, they did send a, a random person into space one year, 
they gave out like a free ticket Wait, what? to go to space. Oh, wait, really? Yeah, at the panel. Okay, so I like, would not want to do that. I don't want to go to the like Big Bang Theory coasters. panel. I'm sure it was just like suborbital. Like you weren't in like space. space. But I'm just like saying, yeah. I maybe mean, if you go to the Big Bang Theory panel, they'll send you give you free ticket to go to space. So that seems like a pretty good reason to go. That's. That is, I would not want to do that personally myself, but that is very cool. Um, okay, so 10 a.m. also in 6 BC, mm. 6 BF is Young Justice Q&A. Noel, you watch that, yes? Okay. Well, you watch it too. Oh, that's true. It's, 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 it's coming back, right? Yeah, it's coming back on DC's uh, streaming platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they'll probably talk a little bit about Young Justice Outsiders. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, also 10 a.m. in the Indigo Ballroom, Cartoon Network okay ko let's be heroes with uh ian jones cordy and toby jones courtney taylor kate flannery and dan vader cool last name Mm -hmm. um 10 a.m again at room b20 psych reunion and movie sneak peek oh there's a movie coming out yeah they're doing a like a reunion movie and psych panels at comic-con are always amazing I the psychos are great now if we weren't going to be in line already we would be there for the psych panel but at 11 11 oh yeah we are not gonna be in the psych panel um <laughs> 11 a.m is uh the steven universe uh with rebecca sugar like she's just so like She's wonderful. wonderful. She's wonderful. She just seems like such a, like, just good for you. Good for you. You're awesome. Um, <laughs> with Dee Dee Magnum Hall, sorry, Michaela Dietz, uh, Estelle, A.G. Michalka. A.J. Michalka. And Zach Callison. He's moderating. We'll He's see. moderating. That's what we'll I'm We'll see how that goes. He's going to be moderating. Like, Steven shouldn't be the moderator, right? That's how I feel, but we'll see how it goes. It'll be, it'll be good, whatever it is. They're not going to do live music, so it won't be as awesome as last no, year, but, but hey, like, we're just glad they the have the a... the same thing every year, though. We're just glad they have a panel. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, so 1115 uh, Hall H is AMC's Fear of the Walking Dead um, with Kim Dickens, Frank Delane, Alicia Dunham, Carey, Mercedes Ma- Mason, Coleman Domingo, Dayton Kelly, Sam Underwood, Daniel Sharman, Michael Gray Eyes. Gray Eyes, yeah. What's his name? For real? Okay. <laughs> um, it's cool, it's cool. Dave Erickson, Robert Kirkman, and Gail Ann Hurd, Dave Alpert, Greg Nic- Nicotero, and oh, cool, moderated by Chris Hardwick. So that's, <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's always good. Of course. Like, I don't Maggie know Perks up here. I, <laughs> I don't know who this well, okay. is. Chris Hardwick is very good at but what he does. He is very good at what he does. It gets to be a bit much, but his natural habitat is Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah. No, good for him, man. Um, Lump 15, also B20, iZombie, special video presentation Q&A. Again, if we weren't going to be in the Steven Universe panel, and if not that one, then certainly the Psych panel, then, well, I guess this follows the Psych panel. So people going to Ballroom 20 on Thursday are going to have fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, 11.45, 6A, Hey Arnold, from Hillwood to the Jungle. Did you watch Hey Arnold growing up? We didn't have cable. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't a big Hey Arnold fan, and we should mention that um, also on Thursday there's a Rocco's Modern Life Return panel um, sometime on Thursday as well. So yes, I missed that one. getting represented, yo. Nope. <laughs> um, Twelve and the Horton Grand. I know that voice. That the series. <gasps> John DiMaggio. 
DiMaggio. Yeah. Um, D. Bradley Baker, Frederick Tatasciori, Stephen Blum, Carlos, Carlos Alas. I was like, what I can say? Wait, no. Alas Raki, um, Bob Bergen, Jessica Deco, De, DeCico. 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 Nor- Nolan North, um, and moderated by Jim McCann. Um, so the documentary, they're making good. it into yeah. a, sh- a series. This is cool. cool. I mean, voice acting is very, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I haven't seen the documentary yet. Noel, have you, did you get to see that one? I didn't even know that was a thing, so I'm actually going to seek that out. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, it was one I wanted to see last year. They showed the, the screened it last year, and they had a panel for it last year, but I, we didn't get to it. Um, that's one that they were they worked on for quite a while. I think they might have crowdfunded it too, but they're now they're making it into a series, and they're gonna have like I think each episode will follow a different voice actor. Oh, um, or, neat! So it should be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, at twelve fifteen in the Indigo Ballroom, we start the Adult Swim takeover. They will be in that room for quite a while. First is the Jellies with their voice cast and the uh, the creatives there for that. Um, over in Hall H, we're following up uh, Fear the Walking Dead with the Walking Dead. Two panels again, both moderated by Hardwick, both with all the cast and everything. And I enjoy both casts so much, but I'm not fighting that line. I never want to do Hall H on Friday or Saturday. If I can't walk right in, um, no. You guys enjoy the Game of Thrones panel, the Walking Dead panel. Like They're doing Twin Peaks this year. I would love to be in the Twin Peaks panel, but I don't want to be in it so much that I'm going to like stand in line for five hours. It's no Steven Universe. It's no Steven Universe. Yeah. Okay, but next up is. at 1230 in 24 ABC, we have Netflix's Buddy Thunderstruck. What is this? Do you know what this is? I have zero idea what this is. This is my first time hearing about this. Stop motion animated series and interactive adventure. Oh, this is sort of in that vein of the Puss in Boots interactive adventure thing. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Noel, do you want to take it over? Sure. So at 1230 in B20, in what I'm assuming will be a half-empty ballroom, the 100 has its... Um, <laughs> Uh, panel, uh, they basically just say, series stars and producers, and they don't know who's going to be there yet, and, you know, maybe Jason Rothenberg will just be kind of hiding out in a bunker still. This just sounds like a way to sell a DVD, though. If you're uh, going to the 100 mm-hmm. panel with the bulletproof vest on, ladies or gentlemen, I want to see your pictures, so please, mm-hmm. you know, at the Televerse, let me see them. Please continue. Uh, right, so at 1pm in room, room 9. nine. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood Location Scouts. Uh, so this will actually, this actually sounds like it could be pretty interesting since Location Scouts are the ones who have to decide and pick places where all your favorite films take place. So there are a number of uh, Location Scouts on hand to discuss, including folks from The Mummy, Justice League, uh, Million Dollar Baby, Shawshank Redemption, uh, La La Land, uh, Logan's Sicario, Jurassic World 2, um, and Westworld. So good, good group of people with some movies and shows with uh, stunning locations. So that should be uh, actually really interesting, I think. Well, to, uh, just, when you were saying that, ahead. I was just thinking that um, a lot of times they repeat the same panels over and over every year, mm-hmm. some of them. So this one I haven't seen before. So when they repeat, repeat a lot of them, it tend to, you tend to hear the same things over. So that, that does sound really interesting. I think they might have done it last year, but it definitely Possible. wasn't in, wasn't in like the, it. I don't think it was in the main like, building i think it might have been like in one of the other ballrooms in one of the other hotels such a huge thing too the setting creates a whole tone for for the entire movie in the world so yeah thumbs up thumbs up all right so 1 p.m in 29 ab we got another 
music uh, in genre panel uh, with different groups of folks. So you've got the composer for Legion. You've got the composer for all the CW uh, shows, all the CW superhero shows plus Riverdale. Um, composer for The Evil Dead and Spartacus. Uh, composer for This Is Us and The Runaways, which is why that person is there. I was just like, why isn't there This Is Us composer here? Uh, but <laughs> Uh, Matt Quayle, who's the composer for um, Mr. Robot, uh, will be there. Uh, long. He also does America Horror Story and Feud. And so that should be an interesting panel as well. Is that something you're considering? What? She's a total I'm snob. Not sh- I'm, a very, I'm very snobby <laughs> I'm about this. Say that for this you one, I'm less certain about. I'm, I'm more interested in some of these than others. Sure. Um, like, I really liked Sean Kelly's music for Jessica Jones, but his yeah. music for, we talked about it, for, for uh, The Good Wife really went down the drain after a while. Um, and Blake Neely does some good work yeah, on some of the shows yeah. and really phones it in other times. So I'm torn. Also, what I've found in the past when I've gone to these panels, every now and again, there'll be a really great question but most of the time it's not a panel full of people who've played the violin for 27 years so they don't know stuff that i know so the questions that they're asking tend not to be ones that i'm that interested in it has to be like like i remember the first one i went to like i left the panel after they're like you know what sometimes i'll just like go to like a different space i'll like go to a junkyard and i'll just like play different things and i'll record what it sounds like and then i'll use it and they're like what i was like okay i can't sit through think of stew from the great british bake <laughs> i can't no i can't offense, yeah I, I i can't sit and listen to people marvel at found music because it's just like i okay i need to leave this panel this panel's not for me it's not their fault it's not it's probably my fault but i gotta i gotta go so I'm I'm intrigued by some of their choices. I'm more interested in the I like I'm always looking for there to be female composers. Sure. Uh, there's a Chris with a K. Don't know the gender of that person based on their name. Um, uh, but but in the years I've been going to Comic Con, there has been one female composer that has Rachel. been invited. Rachel. She's a moderator. Oh, she's not just kidding. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> been one female composer who's been invited that I'm aware of in the the many years I've been going, and I believe because I did some digging in all the years prior. And that is ridiculous. So I will do some research on Chris Bowers, who did the music for Dear White People. Um, that might be a reason to go. Um, but it just it tends to be the same kinds of people with the same kinds of questions and the same kinds of answers, both yeah. in the audience and well, on the fair. panel. That's no, where Bowers I like to... That's a dude. That's a dude. It's okay. Christopher. You... Okay. You don't get that one. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but that's the kind of one where I like to try to see if I can get into the press room and then ask a bunch of nerdy questions that they aren't prepared for. And then they're sure. like, their eyes light up and they're like, oh, you care. <laughs> um, so so we'll see if I if I manage to wrangle some some interviews for that. Gotcha. But I um, talked way too long with that answer. Let's keep moving. Right. So at one p.m. in rooms three and four, you've got selling the hit. What you always wanted to know about the stunt industry. So we've got a number of stunt professionals on hand to discuss their experiences and offer advice on getting into and navigating the stunt industry as well as how the industry has changed, which could be interesting. Um, there are a couple of women on that panel, which will be fun. Uh, at 1.15 p.m. in Indigo, more Adult Swim with Rick and Morty. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be on hand with uh, Dan Harmon and a number of the other writers and uh, voice talent on hand to discuss the alt dimension and time travel and other things related to Rick and Morty that I'm trying to build my shit my way through. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> work it yeah 
Uh, one thirty in Hall H. Hey guys, it's the Game of Thrones panel. Woo! Uh, so everyone, like half, not even a half the cast, a fourth of the cast, maybe at this point, an eighth. But of a the bunch cast. of high profile if cast members. not there. I don't care. Again, <laughs> like I'm sure it's a fun panel, but it's almost too high profile. I'd rather be in a smaller room with fans who are super passionate about a show that I don't know than this sure. one because they're just gonna like say two things and show a trailer and people are gonna just ask them questions they can't answer yeah uh so at 145 and b20 this one sounds a little weird i'm not quite sure what's happening here and you guys can let me know if this is a recurring one brave new warriors is a laugh field discussion among today's male heroes which includes david harbour from stranger things chris maloney from happy uh colin o'donohue from once upon a time richard rankin from outlander rodrigo santoro <laughs> World. and uh ricky whittle from american gods who will all discuss the thrill of playing popular tv characters because rodrigo sandero plays popular tv character on westworld and there's sometimes awkward encounters with fans and the highs and lows of a career in hollywood i don't know what this panel is about <laughs> <laughs> this is paired with the women who kick ass panel okay um which is in hall h is yeah it, it's also this either on i think it might be on saturday it's friday or saturday and so it's it's a bunch of guys on one panel and then a bunch of ladies on the other one and the nice thing they always do is they always put the women who kick ass panel which tends to end up being very much a discussion of feminism in the state of the industry yeah um, and and the kind of horror stories that people have had to deal with like getting hit on by your 30 or 40 year old director when you're a 16 year old who's half naked tied down to a thing because you're filming something exactly and it they always place it between two like super bro-y things Mm -hmm. so and in hall h so that if you want to go to like the big like warner brothers panel you have to sit through the feminism panel. That's on purpose. Yes, I do think that's on purpose. It's not an accident. Because you can't leave. Because it happens every single year. It's always yeah. placed the same. So this is like the counterpoint to that, which is always in Ballroom 20, whereas the women who kick ass is always in um, Hall H. They're doing it a little differently this year. We'll get there. But um, but yeah, this means I'm sure it'll be fun. These are fun. Like Chris Maloney on a panel is always going to be fun. Who's yeah. Da- who's David Harbour? That's true. David Harbour, he's the sheriff. In Stranger Things. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, Emmy nominated uh, David Harbour. There we are. There we are. Um, but so, so that's that's what the deal is with that. It is a recurring okay. thing. Okay. Because okay. I was just like, this sounds really bro-y and I don't want to go to this. Uh, 2.15 in Indigo. More, ch- more Adult Swim, this time with Robot Chicken. So you've got... Um, yeah, you don't have Seth Green. Okay. Um, but you've got uh, a couple of the other creatives and showrunners on uh, to discuss uh, Robot Chicken. At 2.15 in 6A, Disney XD's got its panel of Star versus the Forces of Evil, which is a show I've always meant to watch but haven't made yeah, time for it. I, I regret that because it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, so listeners, if you do watch it, let me know if that's just a misconception I have. And if it is, don't tell me. Because <laughs> um, I just want to think Don't it's fun, the and then Milo's Milo Murphy's Law, which is a show I am not familiar with, uh, but they're teaming up to discuss both of their shows, answer questions. So you've got the writers and uh, writers and some of the voice talent for both of those shows on hand. Uh, in B twenty at two forty five, Sci Fi's Con Man, Cons, and the fandom culture with Alan Judic. Uh, oh right, I forgot that this was a show that existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alan Tudor will be discussing his show Con Man 
and uh, everything that goes into doing a good con and con experiences. I forgot that that was a show. Yeah, I still um, haven't seen it. I'm sure I'd like yeah. it, but... Yeah, yeah. I'm not super interested. Um, 245 in Hall H, you've got a damn good panel, which is the Twin Peaks panel. Uh, so you'll have uh, some of the cast there. Um, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, ding, 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 and some of the original uh, cast. Mainly, I'm just wondering if David Lynch is going to be at Comic-Con, because that <laughs> would be amazing. Right? <laughs> I need to see what happens. Like, how does David Lynch interact with Comic-Con? Right. No, it's it's co- sort of like I now want a buddy Comic-Con movie of David Lynch and Werner Herzog trying to figure out how to navigate Comic-Con. Would and watch. how incredible... Would watch would be favorite thing ever probably. Um, yeah. At three fifteen in Indigo, it's more Adult Swim. Mike Tyson's Mysteries, which is a show that I know a number of people really enjoy, but I have never tried. Uh, but it's currently in its third season. Um, at six, at six, at three thirty p.m. and six a. And I would probably be here for this is the Disney XD panel on the new DuckTales television series, which is very exciting. Uh, so the cast will be on hand to discuss as well as some of the writers, and that is very exciting. I would be there for that. Uh, would I you guys like go to this? I to mention that David Tennant and Ben Schwartz and Kate Micucci and oh, Danny Pudi and, and Beck Bennett are the cast for that. That's insane. Oh, but also, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda is vo- vo- voices, voices Gizmo Duck. He oh my god! The, yeah, oh, I bet he yeah. loves that though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's no, totally that, him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that your first time seeing this cast list for this? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's super exciting, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I expect I'm, them to find a reason for Kate Mikuchi to sing. By the way, with <laughs> probably with the ukulele. <laughs> I'm just, I, I just imagine she carries it around. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully, like they'll talk about it. Uh, that's premiering. They're doing like a two episode premiere in August, and then it kind of goes off the air until September. So that's exciting. Um, at three thirty and five AB, Shonen Jump is uh, going to be discussing manga and anime. So there'll be some voice actors on the panel to discuss um, Boruto, Naruto's new, uh, the new show in the Naruto. Um, franchise and i'm tired of talking so one of you can pull yourselves away from a pina, uh, pina colada <laughs> okay and discuss what's happening in b ballroom 20 at 345 i will make that sacrifice and 345 on friday we have the gifted extended sneak peek which is going to be for this new show um it's oh, from oh. the from at nicks who did a burn notice yeah and uh, directed by brian singer which i have mixed thoughts on or not very mixed. Yeah. Um, but the cast includes Stephen Moyer, Amy Acker, who we love, of course, and several other people. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm not super intrigued based on what, the... What if X-Men was no ordinary family? Is the premise of Gifted. <laughs> yeah. I just watch no ordinary family again. Yeah. But that's me. That's me. Um, 4 p.m. in Hall H, we have Preacher. Um, they'll, they'll have the cast and the um, and, and the creatives there. We have at 4.15, one I know that we both would like to see, oh, we'll yes. see if we get to it, is yeah. uh, Bob's Burgers in Indigo Ballroom. Like, H. John Benjamin, just like, yes, the rest of them, but especially H. John Benjamin makes for a very good uh, very good panelist. Of course, he voices Bob. He also voices, voices Sterling Archer. Um, but, I mean, that whole that whole cast are amazing on panels. Um, so that will, that will be fun. And I'm sure they'll air some 
part of a new episode. Um, at 4.30 in 5AB, we have Wise Guy, the show that invented binge TV. It's the 30th anniversary. I've never seen Wise Guy. Noel, have you seen Wise Guy? I've heard of it, but I've never actually watched it. So Yeah. Yeah. Me neither, but they're going to have some of the, the executive producers and and some people who've written about the series, uh, they are talking about it, which I think is, is very interesting. Um, yeah, again, it was like an early show. Like, Meg, have you heard of Wise Guy? I haven't even read That's why I was, when I was like, what, the, what is that? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's It just was a very early show that is more in the vein. It like, kind of presaged what was to come with our like gritty anti-hero kind of dramas. Okay. Um, yeah, um, I'm a little more interested in 4:45 in room 6A. We have the tick, the tick, the new, the new one that they're doing on Amazon. Yes, Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The trailer for it dropped this week. Yeah, and of course they aired the pilot back in the fall. But last year they have Peter Serafinowicz, Jackie Earl Haley, um, a bunch of other members of the cast for that one. Um, uh, we'll of course we of course know Ben Edlund, creator of the tick and writer for Firefly and Buffy and Angel and all of that, and uh, David Fury. Obviously, Buffy Angel lost. Um, I say obviously. I love how all of which celebrities, TV creatives are obviously for us. If I recognize like a writer or whatever's name, then yeah, I mean. In in Ballroom Twenty at Five, we have the original series, the Stars original series uh, Outlander panel. Um, that panel is always really fun. Um, Katrina Balfe and and Sam Hagen are just delightful together. And this year they have Tobias Menzies with them, which should be super fun. So if we can get to that one, that will definitely be a fun panel. But okay, you have to choose between Bob's Burgers and then immediately after it, five fifteen in Indigo, you have Archer. So it's like, are you going to go for Stars? Are you going to go for Bob's and Archer? Bob's Burgers. These are the choices you have to make at Comic-Con. Of course, they're cross-programmed from each other. I would rather go to both of these, but there's a whole slew of time, like a whole stretch of time on Saturday that I don't care about, but Friday's booked like crazy. Um, Okay, in 5.15, we have the Defenders in Hall H. Um, Sure. I I really can't care about that one after Iron Fist was such a mess. Um, Though, Jessica Jones, as I said, does hold up. 545, Room 6, BCF, we have History's Vikings. They always, they always like, do Comic-Con, right? Like, two years ago, they brought a ship. They made, <laughs> they, they brought a Viking ship, and oh, they took that. over a parking lot. It was awesome. Um, they know how to, they know what they're doing. Catherine Winnick will be there, which is, I feel like, the reason everybody oh, watches Vikings. Oh, yeah, come on. Vikings, she she's, is the reason. She's such a badass. Um, yeah. But I met several other members of the cast and the creatives as well. Um, one that we're very excited about is at 6 p.m., yes. room 6A, the People of Earth screening, so they're going to air the first episode of the new season, a show that we loved, like, discovering last year at Comic-Con, and our, our dad is already, like, super, oh my he's God. super jelly about who's that the, one. Who's the character? Jeff. Yeah. yeah. His favorite is Jeff. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, in, in room 28DE, you do what? Women in film production. This is at 6 p.m. as well, and they have uh, uh, creatives from, um, from different projects talking about what it's like to be a woman in different elements of production in TV and in, in, in film as well. 7 p.m., we have a re- reunion of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer art department. Oh, that's um, the neat. Fact, yeah, it is neat. That's actually pretty exciting. But the fact that there is a panel for a Buffy art department reunion... But no 20th anniversary Buffy reunion panel? Is it the 20th It's the 20th. That's weird that they wouldn't do something. It's That tells me that the, the people the, in the cast didn't want to, or yeah. Joss is too oh. busy. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. there's yeah. no way. They're doing a fan a event. Number, 
They're doing a fan event on Saturday for three hours that, like, some of the, like, assorted ensemble cast are going to, and they're not doing a panel. There's a reason. That doesn't happen accidentally. Yeah. That's, Sarah Michelle Gellar didn't want to bother. (laughs) Basically is kind of what that says, but to me, you know, who knows? But I do think, like, something like listening to an art department talk, especially for such a, a cult show and such a... so such a formative show for so many people. So a lot of yeah. people went into things like art department, like yeah. like production and everything because they love Buffy so much and the look and the feel of the show. That's the kind of thing that I feel like will be really specific and really interesting. Yeah. Um, also to round out Friday, we have at 10 PM twin peaks part 11. So they're going to premiere the episode that's going to air the coming Sunday, Friday night um, in room six a. So that would be pretty fun. If, if I'm caught up by tw- on twin peaks by then, that would be the kind of thing that I feel like would be super fun. Because when are you ever going to get to watch an episode of Twin Peaks with, like, hundreds of fellow Twin Peaksians? Like, yeah, pretty rarely. Pretty rarely. Anything else on Friday Strike Your Fancy, Noel? Uh, no. It, it, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, all. no. Like, I'd be there for the People of Earth presentation. Um, yes. And I, I wouldn't bother trying to see the Defenders. Because um, it's just mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to get in. What and about Bob's? Yeah, Bob's yeah, I'd, I'd go to Bob's too. Yeah, yeah. But if you have to choose between Bob's and Archer and People of Earth, what do you do? Oh, I'd still I'd pick People of Earth just because I think that's a little more exciting show um, right now for me. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Okay, let's go on to Saturday. And Maggie, why don't you kick us off? Okay, um, well, Saturday at ten a.m. we have in room B twenty ABC's Once Upon a Time um, with uh, Edward Kitsis Kitsis uh, Adam. Horowitz, David H. Goodman, and oh, it's gonna be moderated by Yvette Nicole Brown, which you know, uh, whatever the if, see, yeah, exactly. That's a reason to go right there. Yeah. Who cares about the show? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you just go. You know, she always does a good job, right? Yeah, for sure. So, um, and then uh, also at ten in the Indigo Ballroom, Boomerang Saturday morning cartoons. I love that they do this. They're like, let's let's, let's just watch some cartoons. Let's just watch some cartoons. Do it. Yeah, no, that sounds fun. Um. We have Bob Bergen, Jeff Bergman, and Carrie Walgren. Um, let's see. Also at 10 in room 25 ABC, Avatra. Avatar. <laughs> well, okay, Typo. that's your fault, okay? <laughs> it's my bad. Because it was typed incorrect. I know what Avatar is, people. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender, Legacy and Legend. Um, moderated by Avatar Mom. What? Avatar, yeah, Avatar Mom. Oh, uh, yeah. Like a, a member of the fan community. Okay, member of the fan community. Okay. Um, then also at 10.50 in the Indigo Ballroom, they have Cartoon Network Ben 10 um, with, uh, let me see, Greg Sipes, John DiMaggio, uh, Monsi uh, Hernandez, Roger Craig Smith, Tara Strong, John Fang, Joan Casey, and uh, moderated by Eric Bauza. So basically, John DiMaggio is everywhere this weekend. Yeah, he's busy. Yeah. yeah. He's but you know he you're going straight from one thing it's not like yeah you've got to wait in line yeah no right. anyway um okay 11 and b20 you have riverdale special video presentation q a uh 11 15 ooh, this is, looks fun <laughs> a little bit of a lifelong fan 11 15 room 6a spongebob square pants the legend of boo kini bottom they're gonna do a they're gonna do a live table read of a classic episode, so that should be fun. Ugh. 
That does sound fun. We should go to that. <laughs> I like oh my God. You almost started disgusted by the fact that that sounds fun, so now we're going to have to do it. No, I know. But so honestly, okay, so personal thoughts. I think you can tell a lot about a person by their favorite SpongeBob character. Uh-huh. Do you have a favorite one? Um, It's kind of hard to pick between Sandy and Patrick. Those are very different. I know. That's why I said it's hard That's to pick. That's ruining you? your entire theory. It is. <laughs> No, no, I mean, it's just showing the, like, the differences in her personality. Mm-hmm. But that's even and, a question. What and, what is, and what does it say? Because here's the thing is, like, I've never watched Spongebob in any dedicated way. <laughs> well, you so. don't have to, like, watch it. There's, like, no, like, Sandy's the hyper-competent planner. Okay. And Patrick is she the is squirrel? The, she's, she's the, the squirrel, squirrel. And okay. Patrick is the... Um, starfish. Enthusiastic starfish. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, he's, no, that's not, enthusiasm is not the right word. What are you going to go for? Dim? Like, well, he's, yeah, I'm you have trying, to add that in. I'm well, trying to be nice. To be nice. It's, there's nothing wrong with being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> there's thing? nothing wrong with being stupid. Well, hey, he's a nice guy, you know. Okay. Um, anyway, what's your favorite? No, he just said he hasn't this. watched it. You yeah. But you said dedicated to me. Right. It. So I've seen like a random smattering of episodes. Um, so the snail, I guess. Um mm. Yeah. Gary. Yeah. Gary's pretty great. Gary. Yeah. I don't know. And um Oh, my favorite is like hundred percent Patrick. Oh Patrick. No, oh my god, he just he just slays me. He just you know, he makes me laugh. Okay. Um anyway, but yeah. Which one's voiced by Clancy Brown? I don't remember. I should know that, but I don't. I'm sorry. Okay. He's, is he Plankton or is he Mr. Krabs? I can't remember. Oh, he's probably Plankton. Okay. They, I mean it's all any any good show is about the ensemble. So you can't just have one the one off character. You have to have them all together, right? But yeah. um, no, Patrick just kills me. Um, okay, so at twelve, uh, another big one: The Simpsons, entering its twenty ninth season. Wow, just, just claps for that. Um, twelve in the Indigo Ballroom, the original special video presentation Q and A, um, and then at twelve also in room twenty three A B C, the production designer architect of imagination. I did a little, like, rainbow thing with my hand. You didn't see it, but it was there. <laughs> um, uh, 12.30, 6A, Marvel Animation Presents. Okay. Could be interesting. So this will be talking about the, the upcoming Marvel Animation slate. Okay. Next, at 1 p.m., the character of music, music for popular TV. Can you tell that the music panels... Does sound pretentious? I'm sorry. The character of music. Like, it I does. Know, I know it it's does. a thing. I'm not saying it's not. But it, no, it is. The way that they've no. worded these panels to try to differentiate them, like, it's like guys, it's the same panel a third time. We we know that. But different uh, different PR firms are behind the different panels, if you could Right. Tell. This is, in fact, moderated by a member of a PR firm. Yeah, them. this is this one's white bar, uh, white bear. The other one was um, CW3PR. Um, okay. Yeah, so this one has the composer from Breaking Bad and Preacher, um, from Stranger Things, Thirteen Reasons Why, Legion of Fargo, and Walking Dead and Better Call Saul. So these are all shows that have very interesting music. But again, how many people are making time for three different music panels? If I'm not making time for three different music panels, who is the audience? <laughs> but you know, they are ten- they tend to be very well attended when I go to them. So. I, you know, who knows? Listeners, if you go to these panels, let us know what you think and let me know who I should like stalk next year to try to get them to come on the podcast. Um, at 1 p.m., we have Women Rocking Hollywood, female directors changing the faces of film and television. 
Um, this has uh, female directors from uh, from Queen Sugar, Queen of the South, uh, Silver Skies, Jessica Jones. Um, <laughs> I like how like every single director they have on here has directed for Queen Sugar, except because... for Rosemary Rodriguez. Yes, <laughs> because she's but, but, one. basically, well, yes, there is, <laughs> but because Ava DuVernay's just amazing yeah. and we love her. Um, so this so this should be you know very interesting, even just like. I love that they, again, they all direct for Queen Sugar, so it shows the imp- import of just, like, that one show on right. getting directors their first TV credits so that they can yeah. then get other TV credits. Um, anyway, so that, that should be an interesting panel for, for many reasons. At 1 p.m. in Ballroom 20, we have Family Guy and American Dad with the, the creators and the cast of that one. We also have uh, Krypton, special video presentation and Q&A. Again, oh, right. Oh. <laughs> this is in the Indigo Ballroom. <laughs> We've said special video presentation and Q&A a bunch. What that means is they show the 40-minute pilot, and then there's, like, five minutes for questions i don't care about this pilot so i won't be going to this one do you care about the krypton pilot on sci-fi Noel? did you not hear my disgust as i was reminded that this was a thing that existed <laughs> yeah i think he made that pretty clear yeah. <laughs> okay what about the official sailor moon panel at 130 in room 5ab i would totally go to that Okay. Um, yeah, I, I still haven't seen any Sailor Moon. How oh, wrong is it that I? It's so wrong. Oh, yeah. Well, now we're gonna. Now I'm gonna make you watch that in August for a little while. I think. I was gonna say, like, what's our make you watchathon cutoff? Because I feel like I'm just giving you other shows that I should have seen yeah. but haven't that you can make yeah, me watch. Yeah, I, I feel like that's something that you actually need to watch more than what I was going to make you watch. By the way, so... I picked your. I picked your show. Oh, and it's great. Not, it's not that intensive of a watch, but I look forward All right. to talking well, about it. Well, Sailor Moon's a really intense watch, so I'll, like, I'll, like, we'll, like, figure out something for you. But, yeah, we're going to make you watch Sailor Moon next month. Okay. Yeah. Noted. I, I look forward to being able to, like, fully appreciate the cosplay, because there's always great Sailor Moon cosplay. Yeah, because it's so good. It's so yeah. good. Um, what about uh, Lucifer? Room, uh, in the Indigo Ballroom, I should say, at 150. And, again, I, I just... Every time I read Lucifer, I just think of friends of the show, uh, Les Chapel and Latoya Ferguson. Uh, and, and I go, that show's still on? Oh, yeah, that's right. I know two people who watch My it. friend Danielle loves it. Like, she mainlined it. And she's just like, this is really good. She was texting me, like, while she was watching it once. And she mm-hmm. was just like, this is really good. And I just went, okay, I watched the premiere, and I didn't really like it that much. And they're just like, oh, it gets a lot better. Because <laughs> the premiere was not good, I felt very strongly about that. Um, at two p.m. on Saturday, we have the Entertainment we- Entertainment Weekly's Women Who Kick Ass panel, and this year they're doing it differently. This is it says Icon Edition with uh, Charlize Theron, so it's just going to be her. Normally, it's like a panel of five or six badass, awesome ladies. That sounds like Atomic Blonde promotion, yeah, stuff. right? Yeah. Yeah, like, I get that they're excited that Charlie Theron was willing to do it, but that's not what this panel is supposed to be. This panel is not supposed to be, here's one mega-famous movie star. It's supposed to be, here are a bunch of really amazing actors um, or creators, uh, writers, and their experiences and what, you know, they think of Comic-Con and, and their what they think of the industry. So while it's really great that they got Charlie Theron to do it, it's like... That's, just give her her own Atomic Blonde panel. What do you, what do you think? Were you, are you, like, do you think they should have given the entire Entertainment Weekly Women Who Kick Ass panel to Charlize Theron, or should they kept it like they did? Like last year, I want to say, or the last few years, they've had like Wait, it's, it's not five or six. Her. It is just her. Oh, it's just her. Yeah. But like previously, they've had Tatiana Maslany and Tanai Guerrera oh. and Lucy Lawless and like like just like 
well, just down the line. Who's asking her questions? They they have a moderator. It'll be somebody from Entertainment so it's Weekly. It's just an interview. Yeah. It's not a discussion. It's an interview. Well, and then they'll have between the two of them, and then they'll have questions from the audience. No, I mean no, I mean like get her great, and then also get other guests so that they can like interact and kind of play off each other. I mean, otherwise, I mean. I'm sure she's been in a million interviews like this who have asked her similar questions about her experiences in the industry. Where it gets more interesting is when you have these people sitting in a room together that you might not usually see um, interacting about these topics. So, no, I, I dub that lame. Not because she's there, but just because other people are not there as well. Yeah. Get some other people they can play off each other, you know. Yeah, definitely. Discussions going. Yeah. Um, at 2.30, we have the Star Trek Discovery panel, which <laughs> they had one last year, and then <laughs> nothing. Or they, I guess they didn't technically have a Star Trek Discovery panel. They had a Star Trek panel. Right. And then they were, like, expecting casting news, and nothing happened. That's going to be in Ballroom 20. I should imagine. They, they Now they say it'll be airing this fall, so we'll see if it actually knows. When was it supposed to air before? January? Uh, which time? Oh. Which time? Awkward. Oh, um, seems like there's a little, little edge to that. <laughs> no, 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 because it was like, it was supposed to air, it was like, even before January, it was supposed to air in like uh, November or October of 2016. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've been here, but why? I mean, yeah. Maybe this is too long of a question for this, but why is Brian Fuller not doing it? Yeah, there's, um, I'm sure, many answers. Yeah, there's, but there's a lot of answers to that There's question. a lot of answers. <laughs> um, at 2.45 in 6BCF, we'll have Happy, which we previously mentioned uh, because of Chris Maloney. That's a new adaptation of a graphic novel uh, from Grant Morrison and Derek Robertson. Uh, th- that's going to have Chris Maloney, Grant Morrison, Brian Taylor, Patrick McManus. Um, there's going to be a Gotham panel at 2.50. That one's in the Indigo Ballroom. Uh, there's the Mystery Science Theater 3000 in Horton Grand. Stranger Things over in Hall H. Are Those are just, both at 3 o'clock. A panel or they That's a panel. Things? They'll be, they'll be showing some stuff. But again, Maggie, Hall H is crazy on Saturday. If you can do Hall H, you have to fully commit to Hall H for the entire day. Well, we'll have to discuss that. Um, at 3.30, though, I would rather go to the Supergirl panel. It's going to be super adorbs, I assume. I just, I want to see at least one, like, seven-year-old dressed like Kara or, or Alex. I feel like my heart needs that. That's going to be in Ballroom 20. Um, we're also going to have um, The Magicians at 4 o'clock, and that one is in the Indigo Ballroom. There's going to be what Women and Writers of Color, Breaking Barriers in Room 4, um, with a bunch of different interesting uh, you know, writers talking about their experience in movies and, and television writing for both. We'll have the series premiere of Midnight Texas, um, which is also at 4 o'clock, both of those panels at 4 o'clock. Midnight Texas premiere is in Room 6 BCF. At 4.10, Noel, I know you would like to be at the <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow preme- uh, panel presentation and Ballroom 20 and Q&A. You could ask There's them. So many questions. <laughs> they have me. any. So many questions. All of the questions. Can we recast half the cast, please? Mm. Um, Hall H is going to go from Stranger Things right into Westworld at 4.15, um, which will just be crazy again. Um, then we have the Orville in room 6A. That's from Seth MacFarlane, a sci-fi show there. Um, we have uh, Black Lightning at 4.50. That one's going to be also in Ballroom 20. Um, the Expanse at 5 o'clock. That one is in that one is in the Indigo Ballroom. Flash at 510. Can you notice the theme? This one's in Ballroom 20. So basically the CW is taking over Ballroom 20 on Saturday. 
At 5.30, we have TV Guide fan favorites and Room 6 BCF, and they won't even tell you who is going to be in the panel. <laughs> that doesn't seem fair. Well, no, because I think it's like a voting thing. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. But I know that, they're, that mean, they say, but they say they're going to have cast oh, members from yeah. American Gods, Magicians, Magicians Shadow Shadowhunters, Eye Zombie, and more. They would and have to more. know by now. They have to schedule their... Yeah, yeah. but... Their life. Anyways... Um, also, after all the rest of the, the CW stuff, we have Arrow at 5.50 in Ballroom 20. Um, then there's The Most Dangerous Woman at Comic-Con, which kind of, with the Entertainment Weekly Women Who Kick Ass panel, kind of not fulfilling its mission statement. Yeah. Maybe that's more of a one to fill out, but that always tends to be a lot lower profile um, celebrities or Comic-Con celebrities, you know, so... Um, X-Files, a conversation between David Duchovny and Dirk Maggs at 645. That is uh, in room 6A. Of course, last year they had the big X-Files reunion. But uh, I'm sure that, that there will be plenty of, of X-Files fans who are ch- champing at the bit to go to that one again, 645 on Saturday. Then we have Broad City, right? Huh? I don't watch it, but I'm sh- I mean, I know a lot of people that I respect watch it and love it. So it must be it must be good. That's that's um, in the Indigo Ballroom and Abby Jacobson and Alana Glaser are there. That one pique your interest, Noel? Uh, a little bit, but I'm also going to be at the Fandom of My Little Pony panel, so I don't know what you're expecting from me right now. Yeah, and that <laughs> one's in the, the Grand uh, Ballroom 1 and 2. Um, yeah, also at 7. We have uh, Channel Zero at 8 p.m. in the Horton Grand, Women Below the Line. That one is in 28DE. And then uh, we are finally to Sunday. Noel, I'm talking too much. You take it over. Right. So Sunday, uh, you've got at 10 10 a.m., 29 AB, Steven Universe Art and Origin. So Rebecca Shearer will show up uh, uh, to promote a behind-the-scenes art book that's forthcoming, uh, the aforementioned Steven Universe Art and Origin. So that should be interesting. And I kind of forgot there was a book coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so 10 a.m. in rooms one and two, counter programmed against that. Sh- Chef Def Goldman, the cake guy, Ace of Cakes, mm-hmm. returns uh, to discuss cakes and nerd themed cakes. And <laughs> how to... does he cook? Like, is it like, is he cooking in front of you? Making no, it? no, they're in the ballroom, Maggie. You no, know. I just kind of would like that, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> You know, lots like by the end, there's cupcakes for everyone. Yes, but like that would be good. Yeah, they don't have an oven. They, <laughs> you, you could put an oven in there. Come on, I'm just saying. Like, I feel like there are reasons. Like, I'm picturing. I'm, I'm sure because it would be too much effort. But but I'm picturing like like a studio. You know, like for like you know for a talk show. I w- listeners, I wish you could see how much she's gesturing. There's a lot of there's gesturing. Little arms, little hands going forward. But uh everyone knows that that would be awesome. Okay. <laughs> Next up, Noel. Uh so at 10:15 and 6A, uh you're going to have the premiere of the new Spider-Man animated series to which I went, "Oh, there's a new Marvel Spider-Man animated series." I had no idea. Um now you know. So, uh, but in Hall H is what I'm sure everyone's been waiting for. 1030. Supernatural panel. Uh, yeah, those guys give good panel. They they're, do. They're very good. I mean, they're pros at this point. Like, I they, mean. Yeah. It's what they do. Like, they shoot an episode all week, and then they go to a panel on Saturday. They rake in a lot of money, and then they go back and shoot the next week. And hey. That's what they they're do. They're very they're, good at what they pros. do. Yeah, I mean, it's successful for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Right. 
Uh, so eleven thirty and six A cartoon voices too. So more uh, cartoon and animated folks discussing their experiences. Did um, we mention cartoon voices one? Because that's like on Saturday. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think we did. Said that. Um, I don't think we did. Who, There's who, two of them. Who's in the first one? A bunch of different voice actors. Ugh. <laughs> oh. Really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. No. I'm. But we're, 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 we've gone way okay, too long, fine, so fine, we're gonna keep fine. moving. Uh so let's see. I kind of scrolled a little bit too far so hall h after supernatural um is that after supernatural yeah yeah i wasn't sure because i'm getting like a little lost in my thing um tnt's the last ship um again still again on? apparently yeah yeah, yeah. That, 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 I, to the list. <laughs> that i knew was still on i'm sort of surprised it's in hall h but okay yeah that's uh, true that's a big forum bottom 20 is closed there's no bottom 20 on sunday oh okay well there you go um, so at 12, uh, PM in 24 ABC, the comic book elements of Avatar and Korra. So Dark Horse will be there with Nickelodeon to discuss, um, presumably some of the graphic novels that they've put out in relation to both of these franchises. But, uh, Janet Varney's on, uh, around, so is Irene Coe and who wrote Turf War, which is one of the animated, uh, the graphic novels. Um, but Michael Dante DiMartino and Dustin Nelson will both be there as well. Um, 1 p.m. in Hall H is going to be the Dirk Gently uh, BBC panel, to which Kate is super excited about. So I know excited, guys. Anything about Kate's reception to Dirk Gently and Mac- Max Landis in general? Mm-hmm. Um, but why would you go to that when at 1 p.m. and 24 ABC, there's the Danger and Eggs panel. Have you finished Danger and Eggs yet? Not yet. No. But Maggie, you're going to love it when we watch it. Oh. Well, are you being sarcastic? Or no, real? I'm being no, serious. No, you're, awesome. you're okay. serious. Right, with the name like Danger and Eggs, you got to be either really good or really bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's super good. Chris Hardwick is going to be moderating that panel. And then the cast and the vo- some of the voice cast, as well as the show's creator, uh, we'll be there to discuss it, and that is what you should go to on that day. Um, except you're probably going to be in line for the Doctor Who BBC America panel. No, um, I will no? be at Danger and Eggs. No, we won't. It's not even ah. close. Oh, no, I won't. Ah. Um, so, yeah, so that's at 2 p.m. in Hall H is the Doctor Who panel. Um, 3 p.m. in 29 AB, Super Asian America. So with live-action versions of Death Note, Ghost in the Shell, Hollywood's mining Asian culture for inspiration, but sidelining the Asian people who should rightly be in these. Um, so, um, you, well, you've got like Into the Badlands and Master of None demonstrate how you can do that. So they'll be talking with a number of folks, including Will Choi uh, from Asian AF, as in Asianist. Uh, Derek Hughes, <laughs> Angela Kang, uh, C.B. Lee, uh, Louis Tan, and Dr. Nancy Yu and we'll be there to discuss this and that sounds like a fun interesting panel to go to and really interesting yeah. last year it was crowner programmed with the lgbtq year in review oh well, that's and i was mean. like come on yeah. <laughs> yeah so that'll be one that hopefully we'll get to this year uh so if n- you're not too busy going to the 315 i'm assuming this is an annual thing at this point yes um yeah. 6 bcf the uh once more with singing once more with feeling from buffy uh sing along and their yeah it's their closing event so woo 
type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But you shouldn't be a closing event because at 4 p.m. in 32 AB, you have moving beyond the strong female character. So one dimensionality is so late 1980s, y'all. Um, <laughs> so there's a whole discussion uh, with a number of folks uh, around what it means to be a compelling female character beyond being the strong female character. And it sounds like a really good panel to close your uh, Comic-Con experience out on. Yeah, yeah, there tend to be a lot. Again, at Comic-Con, I've, what I've found, and I, you know, I look forward to your thoughts on this, Maggie. Uh, we should keep it brief because we've gone super long, as we always do. But um, you could go to the big ones for shows that you're, you've heard about that maybe you'll like, and you'll watch some prepackaged trailer, and you'll hear some sound bites from famous people that won't tell you anything you don't already know. Or you can go to something like the Moving Beyond the Strong Female Character or Super Asian America or some of these other smaller panels and actually learn a lot more, be around people with a much more um, distinct perspective and who can actually talk and say stuff um, and and have a much more engaged experience instead of feeling like you're just sitting back and watching a very prepackaged experience you can really engage with the panelists and i find that to be a much more rewarding way to do the con i like no no shade on anybody else and how they want to do the con but for me that's what i would rather do what do you what do you think about that meg well you tend to find you tend to find your most um i guess i could say it both ways but a lot of times you tend to find your most uh, interesting or valuable moments and the things that you weren't specifically looking for necessarily mm-hmm. um like things that you're like oh I'm a, i'll go to that but they weren't um, your number one. Now, contrast that with Steven Universe was our number one, and that was the best thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, um, the only thing is sometimes you get into panels where they're obviously just trying to sell you things. And um, that I don't find interesting because it's just product placement. It's not, uh, it's not a real conversation about something. Um, so when you go into things that are a little bit more smaller venue – they can have more um, more interesting conversations. And if you're not sure, sit by the back so you can leave. Well, As we learned when we ended up sitting through a very long panel last year that was not good, that we hoped would be good, but there were not enough people that we felt like we could leave. It can be awkward. Yeah. So, Especially if you're wearing a costume. Yeah, you're much more visible <laughs> like, in your cosplay. Princess Bubblegum is leaving now. <laughs> she has had enough. Okay. okay, so Noel, three things you would want to see at Comic-Con if you could just teleport in and out. Um, If I could just, like, duck in, I guess, to the psych panel, I would, just for, like, preview. And I imagine that those guys probably have a lot of fun. Yeah, they're very good. They're, they, again, they give good panels. Like, they know which the right level to hold how many stories will be interesting and they keep the energy really like really moving they're they're terrific yeah so that i guess is what i would do okay maggie top three um steven universe uh oof Battlestar galactica yes gosh what would be the third um i think there was a number of things i thought would be really interesting and really fun <sighs> oy vey I don't know, the, the site, I, I know I'm forgetting things that were really awesome, but uh, number one, Steven Universe, um, the, now you've got me thinking about those danger eggs. Mm-hmm. I, probably, I probably would like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, also the psych thing I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'll say Steven Universe, I'll say hopefully Battlestar Galactica will be very good. Um, I think Mo will make sure it's yeah. very good. Um, but we didn't 
list it, so I feel like I must have missed it, but I would have sworn oh, there's going to be... Bob's. Bob's. I would have sworn there's going to be a Winona Earp panel. I think there so, is, yeah. Yeah, so that should be really good. Um, And also, is there no Orphan Black panel? Didn't see that it. Se- didn't see it, but that seems very or odd. Because they're, they're, they're on their last thing. Now, Sense8 doesn't surprise me because it's such a niche thing. I would have loved to have gone to a Sense8 panel, but we wrong. that was really popular. But last year, yeah. So and also the LGBT um, Q year in review, I thought was really interesting last year. I want to see that again. Yeah. So that wraps up our 2017 Comic Con preview, uh, listeners. After the con, we will have our wrap up, which will be shorter. <laughs> Maggie, thank you as always for coming on to talk Comic Con with us. You're welcome. Um, you, a few show notes here you can find a post for the episode at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV you can email us theteleverse at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook like the page and start up a conversation there you can find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed you can also find us in Stitcher and rate and review the show there we'd also appreciate of course ratings and reviews on iTunes it does help us and also just you know it's nice to know people are listening and then of course we're both on Twitter I'm at theteleverse and Noel you are at Noel RK and everyone just like Know that you're going to need to, ha- like, mute the hashtag SDCC if you follow me, because I will be tweeting pictures like crazy throughout the weekend. Um, and I will make sure that I hashtag them all so that you can just mute your feed if you don't care about Comic-Con. But I'm very, I'm very excited this year. It's going to oh, be yeah. fun. It's going to be really, really fun. It's going to be fun. So thank you once more, Maggie, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Once we'll- more with feelings. Indeed. Oh. <laughs> we'll Huzzah. be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Thank you.